Winona Ryder is the only Veronica of Fast and the Furious reunion, and Keanu gets a lesson in residual self-image. This week on 30-20-10. Hello everybody and welcome to Laser Time's Pop Culture Time Machine 30-20-10, where you look back in the past of movies, news, music, TV, 30, 20, and 10 years ago. This week we're looking back at March 29th through April 4th. And of course, that means we will be looking back at the years 1989, 2009, and I think... You believe it's the year 1999, when in fact it's closer to 2199. I don't know that we're going to go that far. <laughs> I don't, it, it, who knows when we're recording this, when the aliens are listening, but we haven't seen 2099 yet. Thank you, Morpheus. We might talk about you in a second. I'm, look, I'm very excited to talk about mm. The Matrix again. I cannot wait. I love The Matrix. Uh, but there, every single decade has an incredibly notable movie in it. Yeah. Uh, kind of genre-defining movies, mm-hmm. I'd say. This is a huge week. I have been waiting for this week. Oh, Lord. Oh, see, this is going to be fun. Hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who else is with me? I'm Diana Goodman. And did you hear the school's canceled today because Kurt and Ram killed each other and repressed homosexual suicide? <laughs> <laughs> oh, never get tired of the quotes uh... from that film. Uh, uh, it's me, Sarah, and I don't even hate you. Not even a little bit. Not even at all. <laughs> <laughs> so much fun. Tears. Oh, the humanity. Uh, yes. Man, yeah, I'll tease that even though we're going to get right into it. I think it's one of my top five movies of the 80s is what we're going to be talking about. Yeah. And yeah. it, it yes. holds up super well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, 30, 20, 10. Looking back 30, 20, and 10 years ago in the history of pop culture and news, uh, every week, go taking you through one week in 1989, 99, and 2009, and starting as we always do with dogs barking. No. Yep. Sorry. Steve is really excited. <laughs> He's super Steve excited. Has a lot to say. To talk about yep. uh, Sing, the movie of night. No. Uh, hold on. Before we get to the movies, I just threw this in news. I thought this was funny. Mm-hmm. It's technically TV, but it's not about any specific show. It's about a bit of rebranding. Mm-hmm. VH1. Is a hilarious channel to talk about. It is. It, it really is oh bizarre. Ooh, it is really taking a journey, I'd say. M- MTV, you understand. Like, even if you are 20 years old, you know where MTV started, what it means, music, mm-hmm. television. V- VH1 means video hits one. And I don't think you'd know that. That doesn't even make sense. <laughs> if you, if you video look, hits one. Video hits one. MTV can still like have some passing fusion with music mm-hmm. or at least teen culture. VH1 was never that. Um, and I don't know. I think it, what is it now? Just like sassy reality shows? I think so. I think so. Yeah. Maybe yes. reruns of Martin or am I thinking MTV too? But VH1 always, always succumbing to a brand identity problem. And since 302010 wasn't around in 2015, meaning we couldn't talk about 1985, we didn't talk about the beginning of VH1. Mm. So oh, VH1 no. has to rebrand a little bit. It, like, Diana, you were around. How would you describe VH1 when it launched? MTV for grownups. Yeah. Yes, a little bit it like was adult contemporary. Yes. If you're not going to see a Sting video on MTV, you will definitely see it on VH1. Yeah. And, and it's like, is, is MTV too weird for you? We're going to play old music that you love, old music videos that you love, and some new favorites by people who don't get played on MTV. Mm-hmm. And this bizarre original commercial, it's more visual, but it starts with Kenny Rogers on the phone calling Smokey Robinson. 
telling you you can see his stuff, and then he calls Olivia Newton-John. And then oh, my. <laughs> he calls Stevie wow. Wonder. It's very bizarre. Hey, Melissa, you're not going to believe this. My music is on cable TV. It's on VH1. Video hits one. Smoggy, hot news. My music's on VH1. Hey, Stevie, I'm so excited. My music's on the very hot one, VH1. I just my music's on the hot one. The very hot one. Oh, thank you, Olivia. Wow. But like that, I I, oh I thought that was adorable. This very earnest way of saying that, like, yeah, we know you guys just missed the boat on so, like they're playing a lot of NWA in that other channel, and that scares you. Mm-hmm. Come back to VH1. Mm-hmm. But by 1989, like VH1 is still in need of an identity, so it sort of switches to like you're the first generation to grow up with rock and roll. Let's get nostalgic and like this is oh, no. completely serious for 1989. The generation that dropped acid to escape reality is the generation that drops antacid to cope with it. VH1, because you deserve a channel of your own. Get on the phone with your local cable company and get VH1 on your... It, it literally switched oh, gears like, my God. we are for baby boomers. That's what we are. Oh, wow. And I think that's what it almost was up until like... Cheryl Crow was a good VH1 artist because she could be played on both channels. But then behind the music Mm. sort of redefined it as like a celebration of music past and present. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I miss the VH1 of my childhood, Mm. which would... I think held on maybe a little bit longer to holding to playing music it videos did. than MTV did, mm-hmm. and because I'm a very old person and have very Jesus. old tastes, yeah. basically like my parents, baby boomers, influenced most of my tastes throughout my childhood. True. I, VH1 was the channel for me, to mm-hmm. be honest, and I remember. Yeah. Spe- I mean, obviously, everyone talks about Papa Video with like yeah, so yeah, much yeah. love and reverence, mm-hmm. and I just. Every conversation ends with, man, I wish they would bring that back. Yeah, it's awesome. But I also have this weird memory of this, like, because they would show, like, themed blocks Mm -hmm. of music videos. I remember one being, like, oh, the sexy videos. And the only thing I remember from the intro Mm. is, like, footage. I mean, obviously, it was only Chris Isaac. (laughs) But, like, the intro opening credits was, like, footage of a train going into a tunnel. (laughs) And this is how you knew you were watching the sexy yeah. block of movies. A seashell trying to swallow a hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! No, I miss no. The one thing VH1 did, I miss storytellers. Yeah, almost as much as pop up video mm-hmm. because yeah. it was like unplugged, but they also like talked about stuff, and so they'd like tell fun stories, and you'd find out like. Oh man, Annie Lennox has amazing pipes, but when she talks, she's like really nervous. And she's mm. got like a really thick Scottish accent. She just tells a little story about like, then we were uh, waiting for an airplane and uh, we saw uh, this guy and he was really nice. Anyway, here's another song. <laughs> like, Whoa! It's it's so strange, but yeah. I, I never get tired of saying that. You know what replaced shows like that and DVD special features? Podcasts. We're yeah. doing their work mm. for free. That's true. That's true. Uh, yes, but without these celebrities commenting on it. That's that's for like a rare, rare Alec Baldwin podcast. Yeah. Just if you want to hear v- Billy Joel talk about all his old music. Oh, pass. And hard pass. Hard pass on that for most people. <laughs> um, but let's get into some movies of 1989 because, again, one of my top five movies of the decade is in here. Mm-hmm. And um, it's not Rain Man because that has come back to hit number one again at the box office. So the this let the impressions fly. insane. This is... <laughs> insane remember that came out back in december yep. yeah and it's just been hovering in the top 10 this whole time and i guess there's just nobody big enough to top the like there's no there's no one movie like big enough coming out 
in the last week or two yeah. that can just hold on to the number one. Well, and it's got to be a little bit of an Oscars bump, too, I imagine, right? Oh, good point, because we have the Oscars this week. Yeah. Oh, right. and I cannot wait. I can't wait. I can't believe that two my two favorite things from 1989 are in the same <laughs> <laughs> one I, is good and one is terrible. You have to be talking about Lorraine Bracco's sing. Uh, what? Mm. Lorraine no. Bracco's in a movie before Goodfellas? Oh, yes. Uh, no, this was a massive bomb. This was like, we're bringing back the musicals. And it's like, it's like fame kind of. And that it's about yeah. like inner city kids that put on a show and they're going to take away the show and we're going to dance at it, I guess. Uh, yeah, it bombed pretty bad. <sighs> and let's just move on from that and get into the glory. That is uh, Michael Lehman, Sharon Doherty, uh, Christian Slater, Winona Ryder, and I'll just say Glenn Shaddix in uh, Heathers. Yeah. Repeat myself. They called him JD. He was a rebel. Chaos is great. Chaos is what killed the dinosaurs, darling. A guy who swept Veronica off her feet and into a nightmare. <laughs> the most amusing nightmare. Did you miss him completely? You've ever seen. I love my dead gay son. <laughs> the knife is filthy. What do you think I'm going to do with it? Take out her tonsils? I don't really like my friends. <laughs> I don't really like your friends either. It's not very subtle, but uh, neither's blowing up a whole school now, is it? Winona Ryder, Christian Slater, Heather's a killer comedy. Life can suck. <laughs> so, Di, <laughs> you start. I I don't know where to begin on. Kind of weird oh, promo for mm. be very male centric promo for uh-huh. such yeah. a like the movie's about Christian Slater. Yeah, what I'm the fuck? Kind of surprised it, by that. It was hard to find. Like I watched. There's a lot of trailers online. Um, a couple from the UK because I guess it's getting a small theatrical re release for his 30th anniversary. Mm. Uh, I saw video promos. A couple trailers from the time. They didn't know how to sell this mm. because how the fuck do you sell it? It is incredibly black comedy. Yeah, I don't. I can't think of anything from this this era dark. that's this dark. Yeah, at all. Yeah, and it's hard to just pull <laughs> clips out and be like, no, this is funny. It's mm-hmm. Like in context, it's really funny, but just taken apart, it's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what are they doing? Wait, mineral water? Oh, the humanity! What? Oh, the humanity! <laughs> Joan Crawford postcards. Look out for that. Um, I forgot I'll about that. Put a Norwegian in the boiler room. <laughs> so, okay, so well, let's just talk about what Heather's is. Heather's Ooh. is a black teenage comedy about uh, a trio of uh, the most popular girls in school and their friend played by Winona Ryder. She meets up with Christian Slater doing his best Jack Nicholson impression. Very much. they kill one of them. They kill the lead bitch and then make it look like a suicide. And then the whole school becomes like talking about how great she was and everyone loved her and stuff. And then they keep on killing people making it look like a suicide, just trying to get rid of the worst people in school. And then suicide starts to spread as a craze. I'm telling you this is a comedy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Of wall-to-wall comedy. It's, It's... Again, it's it's it, it holds up so well in that nobody would approach the subject matter now, and I think that TV show tried. Oh, yeah, exactly. And I like it, it got like not it got like anger angered off the airwaves. Uh-huh. I looked at its television ratings. I think some of our podcasts more people have heard than watched the show Heather's. Well, I didn't know that it even actually show. aired on the Paramount I mean, Network. That's gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it sounded like it's it's like it was written by Bill O'Reilly. I mean, that the idea that the most popular kids in the school are like a black lesbian and a transgendered teen. Mm-hmm. 
It's like, <laughs> no, it's white men that are oppressed now. It's those black lesbians that have it so easy. This is the TV what show liberals want. And I mean, of, yes. And of course, you know, the problem that like they tried to, it tried to come out and there's a school shooting. And they're like, right. okay, we won't. And then there's another school shooting. It's like, well, that's, yeah. that's the thing. Like, we, like uh, this may, uh, tell me if you don't want to say this, but we were watching it with, I was watching it with a 10 year old boy. Uh huh. And that's every, a bit young. And every couple, well, he, he's he, 11. He's 11. He can handle a ton of shit. But I, I felt like every 10 seconds I had to turn to him like, do you need, do you want to know who Ed McMahon and the publisher's clearinghouse yeah, is? Yeah. <laughs> or kinda... I have to say to him like, hey man, only an asshole makes fun of fat people. Yeah. Uh, you never bring a gun he to school, right? That, you know? Okay, you know. He you already know knows that. all that stuff. He, honestly, he was kind of bored by it. Like, he was. Yeah. <laughs> he was totally bored by it. There's <laughs> a lot of talking. And we were like, that's okay. We can go play Lord of the Rings now. Uh, his takeaway was like, who talks like this? Yeah. And like, I don't know that anybody did, but I, if no. I was in the 80s, it I wish I did. It was so sweet how shocked he was about like bullies. Mm-hmm. Like he was like, why are they being so mean? And I yeah. was like, Aww. that's what a bully is. It's not, it, it was, that's it gave you a little hope that his school isn't like that. Yeah, and it's not. hopefully no other school will be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, so I, I have to get real personal here. This movie changed my life. Oh, wow. Absolutely, this movie changed my life. Uh, when I was 13, my older cousin, who you don't know because she's from Canada, uh, <laughs> came to visit. I'm dating her. And was telling my mom about, like, oh, this amazing movie she saw. She's a couple years older than me. My mom rented it. I don't know if she watched it or not, but at some point I was home alone with this video and I watched it because I heard it was good. I was, like I said, I was 13, so it's about, I mean, it's perfect. It is perfect. It, it's yeah. perfect, but it's also like there's a lot of swearing and violence. And so maybe it'll give me a bad idea. I don't know. Um, so I watched the whole movie and I was so fucking stunned that I just rewound it and watched it again. Wow. Because it was the first movie that ever told me, you're right. Being a teenager fucking sucks. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'd never heard that before. And that's all I was feeling all of the time was like, I am, I'm like in a prison with a bunch of crazy people who... I just want them to leave me alone. That's all I ever wanted. And they're bothering me or they're picking on me or they're spreading rumors about me. All this crap with all their weird social blah, blah, blah hierarchies. And it's like, I just want to be left alone so I can read my boring books, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and every other teenage movie tells you that this is like a great time and you make the best friends and everything's so much fun. It's like, I have no friends. I just want to be left alone. Y'all are fucking crazy. And it's the first movie that said, you're right. It'll be okay. Mm-hmm. But you probably shouldn't kill people to make it okay. But yeah. it will be okay. Yeah. Mostly, it was just the validation. I, I, oh God, it was so what I needed. Not not as drastic as you, but there's just what uh, it was in that clip. It's just that she's saying like, I don't, I think I don't like my friends. Mm-hmm. And I've been in a yeah. situation like that. I think two or three times in yes. my life when I changed schools and I just, well, this person's being cool to me. Oh God, like, mm-hmm. but I don't have anybody else. Mm-hmm. And. It, there is there is positivity to that, like Veronica clearly wanting to break away from this awful group of friends she's attached herself to. And, and like mm-hmm. you, Diana, I saw this on TBS at like oh, three boy. in the morning. From the opening of it, it's just like Winona Ryder buried up to her neck being yeah. hit with croquet balls and talking <laughs> to camera. I'm like, what the fuck is this? I'll watch the hell out of this. And then I went to Sarah's husband's house when we were like 13, 14 years old. Mm-hmm. And he had it on tape. He loved it. And he still loves and it. And I watched it and like got all the jokes that TBS cut out. And like this is the this is so much better. Can you imagine <laughs> like thinking the censored version of Heather's is all there was and finding the uncensored oh, version man. in a world oh, before boy. DVD and on demand? It was awesome. Yeah. Like the next weekend, I found it and I went over to his house and watched it every single week because mm-hmm. I loved mm-hmm. it. We both loved yep. it. Yep. I 
seen it so many times. Just going back to, I was like, maybe I should rewatch it. It's been a couple years. I have it fucking memorized still, man. It's still yep. in there. Yeah, I'd say I have it I have it memorized, but the, the patter's so fast and there's so much dialogue. Yeah. Like, I'm not sure that I do. Yeah, I, it's like a Gilmore Girls episode. Yeah. Like, it is really <laughs> fast, which is awesome. It's just so different than mm-hmm. anything you'd seen before. And I love, I mean, I did not see it as a teenager. I saw it actually only a couple of years ago for the first time. Oh, wow. Um, but I loved what was it. that experience like that? It was, did it remind you of being a teenager or was it um, just like you're luck- watching as an adult and agreeing with the parents? Uh, i'm always agreeing with the parents um yeah it made me wish that i had had it as a teenager um i didn't have too bad of a time in high school especially as i got older but part of that part of my time in high one of the things that made my time in high school better was i decided just to like stop pretending to be something that i'm not and just kind of be as weird as i need to be and Mm -hmm. that ended up making my life a lot easier but i would have come to that conclusion earlier i think if i had media like this in my life i mean the character winona Ryder's character is so good because she's so wry and just like above it all and cynical and it's so it's it's the perfect vehicle for winona Ryder, who i don't other than like Tim Burton movies, I didn't have much exposure to her, but mm-hmm. she wasn't getting any like real like she can handle dialogue like this very well. Mm-hmm. And it, I don't know, I didn't see. I, I loved. I already loved her, but I really liked her after this. I this really love Winona Ryder. I was just thinking about her today and how like she just got such the shaft with this shoplifting mm-hmm. albatross around her neck. No, like I forgot about she's that. never. Yeah, I mean, think that's good that you forgot about it. But mm-hmm. I feel like she was just made a joke of for like. So long and such bullshit. Don't matter to me. She's Lydia Dietz and Veronica Chambers. Never, never matter. Yeah. Uh, this movie yeah. is. Oh, no, Veronica Sawyer. Veronica Sawyer, and, my then. And this one of those little things that I love so much is that her nerdy former friend that she doesn't talk to anymore is Betty Finn. And just through naming, they tell us that they should be best friends. They're still best friends deep down inside. See, because they're Betty and Veronica. Wow. Oh. Okay. Ooh. I get it. Yeah. And just. Yeah, little things like, I mean, the fact that a lot of these teenagers actually look like teenagers is nice when on a ride or something like 16. Um, people now might watch it and be like, why is everyone wearing like a blazer to school? Oh, my <laughs> God. Because, yeah, we started to rewatch it with yeah. my stepson. And that was my first thought. I was like, why did everyone want to wear blazers so he did much? Ask something yeah. about that. Like, do I have to explain what shoulder pads are? <laughs> yeah. oh, no. Their bodies yeah. don't actually look like that. Yeah. These yeah. women aren't actually football players. Like the color palettes of everyone's, you know, they've got like their themes. They're either red, yellow, green, or Winona Riders. Lots of really complicated blacks and whites and grays. It's mm-hmm. all like cluttered and stuff. Mm-hmm. So you know, like, oh, she's confused. But it's, yeah. it's so crazy when I look at uh, Michael Lehman and Daniel Waters, written and directed um, by two men, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. everything yeah. else they've done. Like, it's all stuff I've seen a billion times, but I don't consider remarkable or in any way, shape, or form a tone like this. What is it? Maybe what Hudson Hawk. Okay. Uh, maybe, uh. maybe, well, Airheads is the movie I saw a thousand oh, times. A okay. PG movie about a bunch of right. dudes in a band breaking into a radio station, which mm-hmm. is... It, is tackling a similar sort of cynicism, but not as bitingly and as, as like cruel and like yeah. honest as, as Heather's is. God damn. I wanted to, what, yeah. what did I decide? And was, yeah, with the, the, the shootings, the violence, the trying to blow up the school at the end, it's like, well, we, could we say we're pre Columbine? Yeah, we're really pre Columbine. And we're going to talk about Columbine next month. And Fuck! Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's going to be weird. I, yeah, um, well, I mean, that kind of plays into that kind of nihilism, too. I don't know that 
we had seen as much of. But yeah. it, when I say that this, I think this is a genre defining film in a lot of ways. It, I mean, as far as a teenage comedy goes, any other like teenage black comedy that comes after it gets compared to this. Mm-hmm. And every oh, teenage yeah. we comedy. We talked about Jawbreaker a couple months ago. Exactly. And the Heathers for the 90s. It was mm-hmm. like it had a similar nihilism, but it, it didn't quite go, definitely didn't go as far. Right. Yeah, and, I think I think anytime someone has to pitch a black comedy, they probably have to invoke Heathers exactly. in the meeting. Otherwise, everybody's going to think you're nuts. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah. there's like flavors of election or flavors of Heathers and election too. Yeah. Drop Dead Gorgeous mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Super black comedies that, uh, you know, came after this one defined it. Yeah, seemingly marketed to teens. I would love like, you didn't see this in the theater, I'm guessing, Diana, right? Nobody saw this in the theater. Mm. I lost money in the theater. And like all true cult hits, it, it picked up on VHS and became a word of mouth and then became... And that's I've, I've literally never met anyone who saw it in the theater. If you know anyone who saw it in the theater, put it in comments because I don't believe yeah, it. Yeah, I would love to see mm-hmm. what the, the... In a world... In the current... The world we live in, even if this is bombed, like I think everybody would be talking about it. Mm-hmm. But it, was, it wasn't the case. Like it, it literally yeah. s- begins on a comedic note of a school shooting, sort of. There are Klugna bullets, mm-hmm. just enough to break the skin. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's This movie is perfect. I love it. I, I really can't think of some... Like, it's probably the best outlier classic of the 1980s. Yeah. And, uh, mm-hmm. and you owe it to yourself to check it out if you're in any way interested in this show or movies of the 80s. This movie fucking rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, <gasps> and this, it was supposed to end with the blowing up of the school, and I can't believe it's... A Roger Corman movie, <laughs> technically. It is, and, technically. And he's like, wow. yeah, maybe don't end the movie like that. that <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, that's the other thing is technically this is from 88, but it didn't get released until yeah. 89 because uh, the producers were going bankrupt. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. So they had problems. It had a, a pretty small release, just sort of sat there. No one really did anything, didn't get a lot of mainstream attention, and then then became a cult hit on uh, VHS. Yeah, wa- watching it now, I can't believe this wasn't a national hot-button topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, <laughs> oh, like, God, the hot Local takes. news anchors should have been talking about they this. Should, their heads should have been exploding on, yeah. on, on live television, but like since I guess it was under the radar, it didn't. And I think that's one of the things that, for lack of a better word, to me makes it timeless. There's nothing else like this fucking film. Mm-hmm. It's really yep. goddamn good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even the title's perfect. Because mm-hmm. like, it doesn't really tell you what... What does it even mean? It like you don't know the first until you what watch the fuck it. From uh, from your son was uh, yeah. Really, they're all named Heather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was kind of a common thing in the eighties. Mm-hmm. I always mm-hmm. had another Sarah in my class. That's for sure. I know a true. lot of Heathers and a lot of Jennifers. Yep. Yeah. I had four friends named Chris. Uh, <laughs> it's bad. It's bad. But please see Heathers, everyone. There's 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 no better way to spend your time this weekend. Except for maybe the movie 1999, I guess, if you're... If Depends you on which a, movie we're talking about. If you were a teenage boy. Um, <laughs> but this is pretty much the Diana segment at this point, because you turned okay. me on to this years ago. Yeah. Uh, All right. So here we go. So uh, it's Oscar time, everybody. It's the 1989 Oscars. Uh, Rain Man does very well. That's nice. Uh, what <laughs> is... My dog is so mad about all this. But what makes it so much fun is this is the last time we had a no-host Oscars. Like we had this year, 30 years before we had the no-host Oscars. And they experimented with doing big numbers. And they they were a disaster. It's so bad that Gregory Peck and a bunch of like classic Hollywood people take out an ad decrying these numbers, especially the opening number, for... 
being beneath the dignity of the Oscars. Wow. It, it really, oh my God. It really was like a straight, straight to video production. Mm-hmm. Like, who doesn't like stars? Here's a song about stars with people dressed as literal five-pointed stars. Okay. Why would why would you do that? You know, yeah. they're scraping the bottom of the barrel here. Why would you do that? Like, so it goes on, the opening number goes on for, what, like 13 minutes, I think, 17 oh minutes. Lord. It just it's keeps going. It starts with uh, Snow White. Is it an anniversary year? Why is it Snow White? Does Disney say no or yes? No, no, just Snow White is just there. And uh, she's singing and dancing. Then Rob Lowe comes out with her and they sing and dance. And now we're at the Coconut Grove and we're going to slowly walk out a bunch of classic stars who unfortunately are all dead now. It's Vincent Price and Carl Brown. (laughs) Okay. It sounds like uh, like an ancient Disneyland ride that should have been decommissioned years (laughs) ago. It just keeps going. And it's just... Oh, it's so painful. Did you, say, did you say the Academy finally uploaded these clips to the internet officially? They finally did. Okay, so the Academy used to come swooping in. If you put anything from the Oscars up on YouTube, they would take it down immediately. And they started to slowly put them up because they're interesting, like, historical things. Right. Even just seeing who's oh, arriving yeah. and what's going on and seeing people's acceptance pieces, mm-hmm. you know? So mm-hmm. they finally put this up. They've put up the two horrible numbers from the evening. I start with Rob Lowe and Snow White. <laughs> Is there any other explanation I that mean, needs than that? Let's do it. Okay. Oh, Mr. Lowe, I'm such a fan. Really? Well, I'm a big fan of yours, Snow, but you know, there's so much I'd like to know about you. Used to work a lot for Walt Disney. Starring in cartoons every night and day. But you said goodbye to grumpy and sleepy. Good. The dwarves behind came to town to stay. Weird lights keep on burning. Cameras keep on turning. Rolling. Rolling. Keep the cameras rolling. How do you make that sound slower? <laughs> oh my god! I literally like have my hands in front of my mouth, like I'm cringing. So, oh, even the Creedence Clearwater version is faster than that. How do they do that? Uh, Roblo definitely fucked Snow White later that night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's had Roblo been in trouble? I can't. Yet? I guess it not. Was, it was he had filmed the sex tape, but I think it comes out very shortly. Its okay. premiere was months away. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is so excruciating. Uh, It goes on and on and on. And then they start giving out awards. You're like, oh, thank God. Okay. We're free. We're free and clear. We're going to see Tom Cruise, they promised. Nope. Nope. So then we get like halfway into the show. And part of the problem with not having a host means they would introduce someone to introduce someone. Mm. So there's extra introductions. And that's really the best part. (laughs) So they introduce Walter Matthau, and he's funny. And he introduces Thank Bob you. Hope and Lucille Ball. Holy shit! Wow. Bob Hope and Lucille Ball are here. This is Lucy's last public appearance. Oh man, she she dies shortly after this. Oh no! And they make a big deal about how, like, they make a bunch of jokes that are dumb, and then they talk about how, you know, back in my day we had to learn to sing and dance. Well, it turns out the stars of today, the stars of tomorrow, can too. And so we have a bunch of young Hollywood sing for. An excruciating amount of time. Mm. Um, oh, no. 
yeah, they sing a song about how they want to be Oscar winners, written by Marvin Hamlish and uh, lyrics by Fred Ebb. These are both talented people. Why? Why, Why is this happening? What are they doing? Do, do Patrick Dempsey and Corey Parker have Oscars now? No. <laughs> no. Corey Feldman, Ricky Lake? No. Not yet. No. <laughs> Trisha Fisher and Jolie Fisher? No. Sorry, girls. Uh, yeah. It won't stop. Just when you think it's going to be over, it keeps going. Then Savion Glover comes out. Ooh. And it gives mm-hmm. you a nice little break of, oh, thank God, someone That's talented. Nice. Oh, one person can dance. Someone can do a thing. <laughs> yeah. Everyone remembers the Snow White thing. No one remembers this. And it is so fucking terrible. Everyone needs to watch it. Do we need to watch yes. it? Let's watch a little bit I of it. I think you need to watch a little bit oh, of yeah. it. Yeah. Hear the singing. The singing. It's great to be an Oscar Super Trooper, Keith Super Coogan. Trooper, Oscar winner. I am most hungry. Patrick O'Neill Jr. The Academy has voted me the very best. <laughs> Ooh. Now that I'm finally a statuetter, forgive That's me if you I like. wear a silly smile. I studied you, but it took lots of sweat. But now I know the work I did was really worthwhile. No! Corey Feldman going full Michael Jackson. Full Michael Jackson. Yeah, he's Yikes. Full, full Michael Jackson. Oh, God. I forgot the, it, what, what, what pains he went oh. to dye his blonde hair Michael Jackson's oh. color. Oh, yeah. oh, goodness. That oh, hair, yeah. too. It is. Yikes. And God bless him. Yeah, the Academy has finally put that up online so you can watch every fucking moment of it because I said just when you think it's over like okay they did the little song and dance it was cheesy as fuck oh god there's more (laughs) oh no now Patrick Dempsey's trying to tap dance stop it oh no big dreamy (laughs) and Trisha Lee Fisher why does her name sound familiar well Carrie Fisher's uh, half sister okay yeah sure I'll take it yeah she pops up on stuff I mean yeah it's really it's the parade of TV guest stars that's, wow. That's, yeah. That's ridiculous. Because you know, some of these people aren't even in movies yet. Like, Ricky Lake was just in a TV movie. Well, no. She, she's in well, Hairspray. Well, no. She's she done Hairspray already. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But, yeah. It's the worst. It's the worst thing ever. Anytime anyone complains about the Oscars and like, oh, my God, that show was so boring. It's like, yeah, the alternative is a lot worse. Is, was there a reason they didn't go with a host back then? Did something – was there a Kevin no. Hart of that age? No, because they, they just thought it would be a, a fun change, mm. I guess. I mean, because they, they rotated through hosts for a little while. I think Chevy Chase had done the year before. Uh, they hadn't really settled on... They, they hadn't settled on Billy Crystal. Billy Crystal's coming up. Right. They hadn't tried him out yet. Okay. They never make another decision for like nine years. Yeah. On Rest off. easy. I can't believe he did that since we've been watching the Oscars, though. That really was weird. Billy Crystal had to come back to host. Maybe he should just be the permanent host. Also on television. I don't Ugh. know if we can top that. But a uh, different world... No means no. What is no this about? No. This can't. This... So I'm not super familiar with a different world, mm-hmm. but I do like to go through these episodes as they come up and try to pick out the very special episode episodes because those are tend to be the ones that people remember the most because it teaches, you know, if you're a little kid or impressionable at this point, like right. you're gonna get imprinted on with this like mm-hmm. these lessons, which it was, is it was the just, point of them, but it which was is great. Strange that if they do it right, I was watching this as a kid, but this is like the only show I was watching. Well, are these kids? No, they're like college students. They're so. college students, but I mean, yeah, like, it's aspirational, you know, like. So, if someone offers Dwayne Wayne a joint, 
dope is for dopes, man. He flips down sunglasses. <laughs> like, why? Yeah. No, he's in college. Dupe it up. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is a very great, important lesson mm-hmm. where Dwayne is worried about one of his friends who's going out with what he thinks might be a sexually aggressive athlete. Oh. And so a oh. nice little conversation ensues between Dwayne and Coach Walter, played by Sinbad, <laughs> uh, about consent. <laughs> and I just. You know, There's no person to handle a delicate situation like right? Sinbad. That's... I mean, Sinbad drills down on consent pretty good. This is how we did consent back in the day. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's the All real right, clip. Just play a little I know clip that, of that it. wasn't the clip. That was just me. Yeah. That was Sarah doing an impression. Of <laughs> right? Yeah, me. Um, I'm known for my impressions. Lights are low. Jeffrey Osborne is telling you that you're going all the way. <laughs> I've been there. All of a sudden, things are getting heavy. She calls for timeout. I've been there, too. (laughs) Now, you know that her mouth is saying no, but you're sure that there are parts of her saying yes, not to mention the parts of you. What part do you listen to? Her mouth. And then you go outside, take a swim in an unheated pool. (laughs) So it's not my job to get her off the hook or to help her give it up. Man, if you think that's your job, your next job will be pressing license plates. No, no, Walter, this isn't some wacko in the bushes with a raincoat. This is you and your honey. Now, I don't care, man. If the woman says no and you don't listen to her, it's rape. Plain and simple, case closed, 10 to 20. Yes. Woo! Oh, so bad. I mean, really, like, I was... I don't remember any show tackling this subject matter. Right? And, Mm -hmm. like, so explicitly, like, no, there's no equivocation here. Like, great job. They should play this in schools. (laughs) This is pretty much how consent works. It's not that hard, y'all. And I don't want to undercut the importance of the message here, but... uh Sinbad's pompadour is something to be celebrated in this sequence. And the mustache. It's, it is a thing of beauty. He yeah. looks like one of my uncles <laughs> in this sequence. It's, <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah. yeah. It's... Whew. Yeah. Different world. Good different job, world. a different world. Um, <laughs> speaking of great shows, She's the Sheriff. Is, <laughs> final, <laughs> is, uh, has its last episode, Say Goodbye to Suzanne Summers and Pat Carroll. Well, she, just so you know the story of this, in case mm-hmm. you're wondering, she's newly widowed with two young children, and the mayor decides she could be, her husband was the sheriff, yes. and then he just decides she could be you the sheriff. You inherited it. It's like a senator seat. That's exactly how law enforcement works, and I'm so <laughs> glad we continue with this system to this day. Wonderful. And uh, <laughs> speaking of things that date fantastically, Mel Gibson hosts SNL. Uh, I read that as with living color. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be great if the show Living in Living Color was the, mu- the guest on <laughs> yeah, Musical SNL? guest. I'm so happy. Uh, but no, Living Color of uh, Cult uh, of Personality fame. I, I remember a sketch from this. Which one, it Diana? Does, it does not age well. Mel Gibson, dream gynecologist. Yes. Oh, <laughs> what? I remember that too. His waiting room is really packed. Please yeah. explain yeah. it. So he plays himself playing as a gynecologist, mm-hmm. and women are like yeah. lining up for their pap smears. Exactly, Weekly. women are like, "I need another wow. breast exam next week." Wow. Like, no, you just had one. No, I need another one. You know, if there was ever any evidence that there probably weren't a lot of women in the writers' <laughs> room of SNL these days, what? I assume all women <laughs> want to have their breasts by Mel Gibson. <laughs> <laughs> It's what ladies like. It's in the, on the movie poster. <laughs> it also has like it also has an appearance from Danny Glover, but like yeah. this is uh we I 
truth be told, we lost access to our SNL archive that we can usually pull you any clip from any show. Uh, hopefully we'll get that back. And NBC is very spotty mm-hmm. with its uh, uploading of old, older shows, especially this old. But what I, what I remember about it, for some reason being high and okay. like forgetting that Mel Gibson was Australian and like he hadn't really... In, in a movie, he doesn't have to do a lot of long takes, but he like kept his accent kept coming out in the monologue, mm. and it mm. was it, I remember like feeling bad for him, <laughs> really high watching this in a rerun, uh, like he keeps forcing it back down. Anyway, anyway, there's a NBC TV movie this week, The Case of the Hillside Stranglers, sorry, starring uh, Billy Zane. Richard uh, Crana and Dennis Farina. Yeah. Don't go Yay. to London. It's based on um, a real story. I actually pulled a little bit from the actual news report of oh. a terrifying Ugh. situation. Where the real story is fucking terrifying. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Just They found out finally that it was actually two guys who are cousins who are just snatching ladies, raping them, strangling them, and then to death, and then leaving them on a hillside. And they got through 11 women before they caught them. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking They had a, seemed what? to have a calling card. Yeah. So they made a movie out of it, of course. <sighs> In Los Angeles, a killer the police are calling the Hillside Strangler has murdered 10 young women and left their bodies on the hillsides along the highways. Today, the police found another, number 11, they think. Two young paper boys discovered you what appeared see to be her the latest in the news the report. The body. Embankment in a residential neighborhood. Uh. The victim was a woman, about 20 years old, and the body was nude. The series of murders has had a chilling effect upon the people of the city. Yeah. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. Yeah, no <laughs> fucking shit. And, like, you know, at first they were, you know, uh, kidnapping and raping and killing uh, sex workers, and then at some point they just started grabbing women from like middle class neighborhoods at one you know at one point mm-hmm. so yeah a really scary time and this was this all happened in 1977 1978 <sighs> so, right in the kind of don't really have these mm. kinds of serial killers anymore which yeah we have, one less we, thing to worry about we have we have short sprees they just with, do them all do yeah, it all at once you now didn't have anything to fear after they're they're caught it can't happen again oh god i'm depressed that's Sorry, why we guys. gotta go to March Madness! Uh, do we have the John Tesh NBA theme? No. Uh, NCAA March Madness. The finals. Michigan beats Seton? Seton Hall? Seton Hall. Seton Hall. Don't fucking know. Seton Hall. Seton Hall. Seton I don't know your sports teams or colleges. Whenever like March Madness comes up, I'm like, oh, a bunch of colleges I never think about and have barely <laughs> heard of. Like Villanueva. <laughs> Villanova. <laughs> Is that how you say it? Yeah, Villanova. I don't know. I'm sure sure an angry... I'm sure it's a great school. I just like never (laughs) think about it until March Madness. Yeah, I don't think about most of your schools. I don't need to break it to anyone. Uh, But yes. I do. March Madness. I'm guessing this happened all throughout 302010 this week because March Mm -hmm. Madness. Mm -hmm. It's not like the Oscars. Can't happen in a different month. Uh, no games this this uh, as of this week, but music. Oh yeah, you better believe we got new releases. Stuck in Wonderland by Drama Rama and the Breathtaking Blue by Alphaville. Wait, one of the first CDG discs, which includes graphics on a compact disc like a karaoke machine. Wow. Oh, oh yeah. Where would this even? What would this play on? I don't remember like I CD-ROMs being in many computers. I, at the, know. I didn't have a computer at this point. Only I a know, karaoke I, uh, machine, I, uh, right? Yeah, karaoke machines. Yeah, I was trying to think like, yeah, when did I start seeing like CD-ROM drives? I guess, I guess about this time. So like a, so a cool bug with sunglasses and a microphone? Is that what we're looking at? <laughs> 
<laughs> just a slideshow of sunsets. Yeah, a couple guys windsurfing. <laughs> Someone riding a horse. <laughs> yes, a bunch of stuff that'd be better off on a body glove shirt. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but the Bengals Eternal Flame is number one this week, and that'll take us out. But stay right there because when we get back, we have a really, really big mood to talk about 1999. Nobody knows more than me that we're all getting older, and there is some visual drawback to that. Of course, I'm talking about losing your hair. It sucks. And two out of three guys will experience hair loss by the time they're 35. Oh, to be 35 again. Anyway, uh, that is where Keeps comes in. The easiest and most affordable way to keep the hair you have. These FDA-approved products used to cost so much, but now, thanks to Keeps, they're finally inexpensive and easy to get. Got five minutes and ten bucks? Hey, a hair loss solution is within your reach. Getting started with Keeps is easy. Sign up takes less than five minutes to do. Just go to their intuitive website and answer a few questions and snap some photos of your hair. A licensed physician will review your information online and recommend the right treatment for you and then will ship you what you need right to your door every three months. What are they shipping me? Well, Keeps offers generic versions of the only two FDA-approved hair loss products out there. Some of you have probably tried them before, but you've never gotten them at this price. Keeps costs only $10 to $35 a month. I know I was paying more than twice that 10 years ago. Plus, Keeps gives you your first month for free. From experience, I can tell you that it's one hell of a deal to keep your hair. To receive your first month of treatment for free, go to keeps.com slash laser. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash L-A-S-E-R. That's a free month of treatment at keeps.com slash laser. Keeps, hair today, hair tomorrow. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time Network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. But we uh, were all ruined by the Leaving Neverland documentary? Hi, I'm Chris. Who is with me? I think we should take it off the air. <laughs> Nobody should see it. At its core... What's really disturbing about this is that it is a very typical story of groupies. Oh, yes. But everyone is six or seven right. years old. Yeah. Correct. And that's why it's because he made these kids fall in love with them, and then they fall in love, and he finds someone new, and he mm -hmm. fucks around with us. Oh, so no, but like you're saying, mm -hmm. I mean, so that, that's what makes it even worse is that he had to jump through the extra hoop of tricking mm -hmm. the kids' families yes. you right. know, in order to, to win their trust. Yeah. And that just yeah. makes it so much more insidious. <laughs> Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. Scrubs, I'm offended because TLC, they want no scrubs. 
And that is on the charts this week and will not go away for a very long oh, time. Oh, yes. Uh, do you remember this, the, the like comeback song from the guys? Did not catch on as well? No. It was, uh, it was, it was almost a direct parody, but no pigeons. What? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, don't make me play it. But uh, it, well, please don't. No, yeah, no pigeons. But but like not a not a. They could have been. It, you know what? It was probably bitches, and they had, they changed it to get it on the radio. Oh. Yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> now putting two and two together here. Yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah. Just just saying, heard on the radio. Uh, welcome to 1999, everyone. TLC's No Scrub should let you know what decade we're in now. We got new releases in music. Come on, die young by uh, come on, die young by Mogwai. And No Gods, No Managers by Choking Victim. And Believe by Cher is still number one. Sorry, Mogwai. Yes. <laughs> Just thinking of, Maybe what do I week. buy, Cher or Mogwai? The <laughs> <laughs> choice no one had to make. <laughs> I love Mogwai. Um, oh, God. Yes, welcome to 1999, March 29th through April 4th. Uh, this is not an April Fool's joke. Uh, this is real. This is re- all really happened in 1999. A little bit of news. Dow Jones closes above 10,000 for the first time, and I think somebody like Diana will have to tell me what that means. I don't know what that means. $10,000? Yeah, you know, yeah, no, like 10,000 points. Points it's, to Gryffindor. Like Did it win? Did it beat like the NASDAQ? Its, own, <laughs> it's like, that. no, it's just like it's all a relative number, I guess, for, you know, indexes of things. It's confusing, but I only threw this in there because this was sort of a mini Y2K preview because there were people saying once it gets past 900 or 9,999, it might break. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. yeah, if the clock breaks, uh, we all starve. We know this. <laughs> we, we, we know this now. Um, Jesus. And on the first, not an April Fool's joke, Northwestern Territories uh, breaks off a portion to what? create new territory. Uh, Nunavut? Nuna- what? Yeah. Good job, Canada. Oh, okay. You broke off part of the big white expanse into a different kind of big white expanse. Yeah. Do these they people gave, distinguish themselves by like and... flannel color or <laughs> blue flannel's the best? No, red flannel. We're noonies. That's probably yeah. that's probably insensitive. Well, I mean, it's like the Northwest Territories is kind of like Alaska for us, where it's like it's fucking gigantic, mm-hmm. but there aren't a lot of people there. But it's sort of like are are the Nunavut not being represented fairly what it's a giant expanse with seven people in it but it's like okay <laughs> probably still Whatever. have a blockbuster they get to govern themselves now good for you guys yeah it's good a blessing job. and a curse uh on the 29th uh, on march 29th through april 4th in terms of movies 1999 oh boy we shouldn't have All much right. to say about this era uh beowulf jesus christ uh, christopher lambert beowulf they keep trying to do this i yeah. feel like yeah I was having a, this it, one might take place in the future, like a post-apocalypse. What? I don't know. Ter- terrible reviews. Stop just trying off. to make Beowulf happen. It's not <laughs> going to happen. <laughs> it couldn't, you couldn't even make it happen when I was forced to read it. Like I'm yeah. not even going to visualize this. They couldn't even make it happen when they used Angelina Jolie's That's right. CGI tits. Couldn't I, even make it a success. The the fantastic reunion of Robert Zemeckis and Crispin Glover after their notorious lawsuit. It's like a real Uncanny Valley situation, right? Yeah. The Beowulf that that, that defines Zemeckis's career post. 
post Roger Rabbit, I would, or post Back to the Future, I would say, <sighs> making Polar Express and Christmas Carol, and eventually Marge Needs Moms, which would bankrupt an entire studio, get him kicked out of Disney. And I hope he gets to make at least one more movie because we just watched Roger Rabbit last night and it made me very, very happy. We did. Um, the Girl on the Bridge, starring uh, Vanessa Paradis. Daniel, hi, yeah. what? I don't know what this is. <laughs> the French movie. Oh, okay. Big surprise. It's a black and white French movie about a girl and she's going to kill herself and then she no. becomes part of a knife throwing act and it's supposed to be very good. No, no. So that's my only French impression. That brief clip from Home Alone where you get to see It's a Wonderful Life. Mm. <laughs> no, no, it's all wrong in French. Uh, <laughs> and I get, I, I thank God I used to get this confused with um, uh, Ravenous because of Robert Carlyle. Mm. But it's a weird yeah. train spotting reunion with um, Johnny yeah, Lee got, Miller and Robert, Robert Carlyle. Carlyle again, what, two weeks ago we had Ravenous? Uh-huh. Yeah. Which we recommended. And Plunkett McLean, I will not recommend. Yeah, it's a it's like a buddy cop comedy in the eighteen hundreds. <laughs> um, or at well, least that's what actually, was you know what? Hit the trailer because they tell you what you need to know okay. and why you shouldn't see it in the trailer. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I am the gentleman highwayman, the most wanted man in England. This is part of the entertainment. Bloody realistic, isn't it? <laughs> Two highwaymen able to rob and go as they please. What the hell is going on? Oh, they robbed the rich and that's it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, but that music, that's that's the uh, movie. Yay. It's the it's anachronistic, everybody. Yeah. They're playing like <sighs> techno music while they're running around in like the 1740s. Robin dudes. All the Heath Ledger fans loved it in Night's Tale. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, yeah, that's all I could think about watching this. Like, wow, it's amazing how Night's Tale works. And this mm-hmm. just puts my teeth on edge as being like way too try hard. It's true. Mm-hmm. It, like, cause was it Sophia Coppola's like Marie Antoinette movie yeah. that did the same thing? And that was like chief among mm-hmm. everyone's complaints. What's with the new music? Like, this isn't a new thing, it's man. It's a choice. Yeah, it's a choice. She didn't accidentally yeah. throw her playlist into the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And yeah, I, but I mean, I guess it's nice to see Robert Carlyle and Johnny Lee Miller back together after trade spotting, but ugh, no, not very good. Pretty badly directed, too, by Jake Scott, um, Ridley Scott's son, who's done some really good music videos and some not very good movies. Mm. Like, the directing was just off. Although Liv Tyler was in it, and she looked I amazing. I thought that was her mm. in the no. trailer. Nope, I wasted my time, so you don't have to. Don't bother. Speaking of wasting your time, so no one else has to, I saw this movie in the theater because I thought it looked hilarious. Uh, Well, because the trailer just plays up one sequence of the film where Steve Martin drops acid. And it's it's so clear. No one one within four miles of this production has ever seen anyone on acid before. (laughs) Because it doesn't make any sense. Let's fuck her! That is not what happens on acid. <laughs> You'd think Goldie Hawn at least would like weigh in. Yes. You know, like, I mean, Honey, let me tell you about acid. Yeah. <laughs> she, she probably knows. John Cleese, Goldie Hawn, Steve Martin, and uh, what is this? Another Neil Simon joint? Mm-hmm. Uh, out of Towners? Yep, remake. Remake. The Out of Towners. On April 2nd. We'd like to rent a car. All we have is one luxury sedan. They should really change the sign to We Have Car. <laughs> in the showers. Henry, put on your Grab your suitcase. That's not our bag! And get out of town with the most hilarious comedy in years. Steve Martin, Goldie Hawn, and John Cleese, the out-of-towners. Are you throwing us out? No, no. Security will do that. 
Yes. I definitely did see this now that I saw the trailer. I, mm-hmm. I was still seeing about anything Steve Martin did, including uh, this movie. The only un- unforgivable thing about it is Goldie Hawn's hair. Man, is it awful. Yikes. <laughs> yeah. What do you call that God, hairstyle? I it's the worst. Saying yikes. I've said it like 18 times in this episode. It's, it's like the first wig you get at a drag shop. It's and true. That's, yeah. That's what she it's looks like. like. A, it's like a bad wig of the Rachel kind of. Yeah. <laughs> I just... This does have some funny parts in it. It does. I'll give it that. Uh, I think Cleese is on fire because he's just kind of being vessel faulty again. Mm-hmm. But he does some nice dancing in ladies' shoes. Ooh. Oh, hey, I forgot about That's that. That's right. Yeah, that was pretty funny. But yeah, it's really hit or miss. Sometimes I think I, I like chuckled like three times. Sometimes movies like this where like a series of calamities happen to people kind of stress me out too. Like mm. meet the parents. Fair I don't enough. like to watch cause it like, it's just a series of calamities that. Ugh. Oh, I almost faint when that yeah. woman gets hit in the face with a volleyball. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's weird though, because I mean, this is a remake. There's a, another version with mm. uh, Sandy Dennis and Jack Lemon, the original version, which is a comedy, but it's much like it's much more of a black comedy. There's a lot of it's more like sleazy desperation because they're in like shitty 70s mm. New York. Mm-hmm. So like all threats feel more real. And this is, you know, wacky comedy. Yeah, I'll take the other one. Thank you. Yeah. You're in a yeah. luxury hotel up against Central Park. How bad could it be? Yeah. Boo uh, fucking who. You know, hey, Night's Tale fans. Think we weren't going to talk about Heath Ledger? Oh, mm, surprise. Uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt. This is my surprise of the week. Really? really? I watched this. I had never seen it. I thought I would hate it. I loved it. Oh, <laughs> you didn't even hate it? Not even a little bit? Uh-oh. Look at this. <laughs> Not even a little bit. Oh. Look at this. Julia Stiles, Joseph Gordon Levitt, Heath Ledger, and 10 Things I Hate About You. Now, as you know, it's the prom. The only thing more difficult than taking out Bianca. New rule. Bianca can date when she does. She's a mutant. What if she never dates? And you'll never date. Oh, I like that. He's finding someone with the courage to tame her sister. Hey! Me with my arm around you. You covered in my vomit. On March 31st. I've never seen you look so sexy. <laughs> Ten things I hate about you. Stay cool, bro. In PG thirteen. I'm dying to know what the title. Is this a Taming of the Shrew remake? Yes. Yeah. Which I have seen, uh, but I never saw this. Oh my god! I just got to point that out. Uh, look at it. if we have the, the the trailer paused, mm-hmm. and it has mm-hmm. Ten Things I Hate About You dot com dot go. Part of the Disney Go network, which is oh, still wow. in all of their URLs when they bought Go dot com right. for like eight hundred billion dollars. Oh, sorry. Keep going. Not important. Oh, man. I was obsessed with this movie when I was, when it came out. Like, it was just perfectly timed for me. I thought it was, like, so much smarter than the other teenage comedies of the time. Yeah, because it actually is. Yeah. That's what I was surprised by. I remember when this came out in 99, I'm in college, and I'm just like... I don't need to see a high school movie. I'm out of there. Thank fuck. Mm-hmm. And oh, great. We're just remaking classic everything and just whatever. Oh, yeah. Let's just change some of the names on this fucking Shakespeare's play. And it's probably going to it's I thought it was going to be she's all that, honestly, mm-hmm. because, you know, the end of the actual taming of the shrew. Some people take it as it's sarcastic and some people take it as literal. Like, no, you're right, man. I should be subservient to you here step on my hand lest you get mud on your boot um and it's really wasn't it was actually really funny it was really charming um larry miller's secret mvp and that made me really <laughs> oh, happy and janney also mm-hmm. secret mvp allison janney she shows up for two seasons she disappears in like every scene i'm like bring back allison janney she's so good she's writing a uh 
She's writing a romance novel. I think didn't wasn't one of the phrases that she was looking for his turgid member or right. torpid. I just can't remember. I love this movie. Everyone in it is gorgeous too, by the way. <laughs> just like especially when you're in ninth grade and like I mean, Julia Stiles was our style icon, basically. Really? Yeah. Mm. I mean, if you shop at Delia's, yeah. <laughs> I'm a Forever 21 sure, man, no. I'm sure a like... A lot of the fashion did take me back. To yeah. That was, Very Pacific yeah. somewhere. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you def- I think probably a lot of girls were probably either a Julia Stiles or a Larissa Olnick. Olnick? Yeah. Sound like you swallowed that name. <laughs> yeah, mm. Olnick. Olnick. Alex Mack. Alex Mack. <laughs> right. That's her. I love yeah. Alex So, Mack. yep. So, I mean, the plot is the same as Taming of the True. Joseph Gordon-Levitt wants to date uh, this girl who's pretty, but not entirely smart, but he has to get someone to take out her mean older sister, Julia Stiles, first. So they get random burnout weirdo who goes to their high school, Heath Ledger, mm-hmm. who we never really understand. Like, everyone thinks he's a crazy person, and we never really find out why well he's kind of a loner didn't wasn't his story that he had to like take a year off because he was taking care of a sick grandmother or something yeah yeah but still there's rumors like oh yeah like he once ate an entire he like bit a head off a duck oh it's like (laughs) what also y'all got eyes that's not what stoner losers look like no definitely not oh my god that smile's fucking infectious too cut it was just a it's a breakout (sighs) role for heath ledger though right like he's mm-hmm. he's been in a couple of things. I think we talked about Roar, mm-hmm. his his silly yeah. box show that was on a few years ago. But this is mm-hmm. sort of when people this is the oh, first this time guy's I, going, this yeah. guy's going places. This is the first time. Oh yeah, teenagers noticed him certainly. American mm. teenagers. And I got to say, I don't know what the title is is referencing. <clears throat> so as a it part of a school assignment, kind of, yep, you have they well, had it to sounds do kind of summit. like they uh, we're both talking the same time. Oh, sorry. I'll shut up. Okay. Well, they, they, like just straightforwardly, it's part one of the assignments is they had to write a sonnet in school, hmm. and Julia Stiles writes one about Heath Ledger, and it's ten things I hate about you, mm-hmm. but they're really not things she hates; they're things she loves, and that's why at the end she says the worst part is I don't hate you. Not even a little bit, not even at all. I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically how it is. It's weird. It gave me, like, the title just gave me visions. Like, is this a Lady Ferris Bueller movie? Is she going to, like, read a listicle to me throughout the film? Number 10! Oh, no. Uh, But that would be cute. No, but that's why I didn't want to see it. I didn't know what it was until years later. Mm -hmm. Oh. Also, if you say the title in a weird murmur, it sounds sort of sounds like Taming of the Shrew. Oh, my God, you're right. Taming of the Shrew. Yeah. Taming of the Shrew. Taming of the Shrew. All right. Yeah, vaguely, sort of, but like because I was expecting it to be stupid, I didn't. I, I was pleasantly surprised when, like, okay, the the dumb, vapid younger sister turns out to be like an okay person. She's right. not that smart, but like, no one is like a super mean girl in it. I was expecting there to be like Julia Stiles' character must be punished for being independent and being sarcastic and not liking high school bullshit. Again, we're bringing it back to Heather's, mm-hmm. um, and no, she isn't. She's not really punished for that. She's punished for being a little too defensive and not being nicer to people. But yeah, she doesn't. It's not like she's treated as like, no, you have to completely change yourself for this man now. And mm-hmm. then then there's happiness. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know what else liked to it. say. And I don't like rom-coms and I quite liked it. Yeah. And that's a surprise. I'll count that as a surprise. Um, mm-hmm. 
I don't have an opinion on it, so I don't want okay. anybody to feel like well, it's two against one, even though it's probably gonna be in the next segment. <laughs> well, it was. I I think this week we see a lot of clever counter programming. Towners <laughs> maybe for the older folks. Wow. Ten things I hate about you is kind of yep. for the girls. Angle files get everyone knows McLean. just from the ads that this next sucker is gonna be dude bro huge. Let's see. Joe Penaliana, Hugo Weaving, Carrie and Moss, Lawrence Fishburne, and a little boy named Keanu Reeves in The Matrix. Human beings are a disease, and we are the cure. Now. So you're here to save the world. Everything you know about reality. So what do you need? Guns. Lots of guns. Everything you believe about the future. Buckle your seatbelt, Dorothy, because Kansas is going bye-bye. Will be a thing of the past no one can be told what the matrix is whoa you have to see it for yourself the matrix <laughs> so one thing that still sticks out to silly to me no one can be told what the matrix is it's a I'm place gonna... where they farm human beings to be batteries like, <laughs> yes you can't yeah. okay that's what the com- movie is one of my big complaints <laughs> uh, what is one of your big complaints that... one of my big complaints is yeah they're so they're so freaking oblique they're constantly saying you know yeah, I can't tell you. I have to show you. You have to experience this. I can't tell you. It's like, no, you could. You could just say you it. You just don't want There's to. There's no time that, to explain, Neo. Come with me. That plays into my... Because it looks cooler when you don't explain it. Then you can show the crazy effects thing as opposed to, hey, instead of like oblique philosophical sounding shit, I could just tell you, you live in a computer simulation. Yeah, that that's my... How hard was that? Principal complaint is that... This movie is fucking gobbledygook. <laughs> it just, <laughs> it just makes like the half of the dialogue is just blah blah blah. Like it's it's fine. It's fine. Here's no, I thing. know what you're saying. You know, like it's it, and it ties. Into they're the, not saying anything. It ties into the production. Yeah, yeah. because mm-hmm. uh, the Wachowskis, I think, had written um, had written assassins. Uh, mm-hmm. When I kill you, I'll be number one. That's Antonio Banderas starting to kill Sylvester Stallone. A ter- oh, the B? A, a, <laughs> <laughs> a wonderfully terrible film. Uh, and they wrote The Matrix, and everyone loved it, but like, we can't fucking film this. Mm-hmm. This doesn't make any sense. And I think it went, and they had to make Bound uh, as, as something that can, like, no, we can make this high budget. Uh, I don't know what what do you even categorize the Matrix as, uh, but it. Uh, I guess it's science fiction. Yeah, but, action sci-fi. Reportedly, with like with every studio note over the period of multiple years, it's like no one's going to get this. You need mm-hmm. to explain this more. Mm-hmm. And as a result, you watch it now, like and you know what happens. Like there is a lot of explaining. Yeah, mm. but as but and I think I was reading in, in some of the IMDb trivia. What was it like the first forty five minutes? Over fifty percent of Keanu Reeves' dialogue is are questions. Oh. What is this? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Where am I? Well, yeah. <laughs> how yeah. do I? What are you talking about? Like, and then Morpheus will just talk for like two minutes. Sure. But granted, I love this movie, so I don't mind that dialogue. I guess if you're looking to move the story along, like mm-hmm. it, it maybe it mm-hmm. maybe it falters a little bit there. But like, it is doing an impressive job at building a world. If you can watch this movie and forget about whatever you think about Reloaded and Revolutions. Mm-hmm. This is an insane world that two people built in their fucking heads and, oh, and yes. put across on screen just by talking about it for about a half an hour. I agree with that. And, and, and emphasizing it in fantastic ways. I think this movie is fucking beautiful. I think it's brilliant. I think it's one, I think, and guess, I'm going to say it again, I think it's mm-hmm. my generation Star Wars. Uh, okay. Let's not pretend mm-hmm. Star Wars doesn't have bad sequels. 
Yeah. <laughs> and bad dialogue. Yeah. And bad dialogue. Honestly, I think I'm probably somewhere between you guys in opinions <laughs> about it because I okay. weirdly also do love it while also recognizing like I don't think it ages well. Um, and I don't know that it like because so I, I we disagree watched on it the fundamental weekend. principle that they have made the matrix to be a virtual reality construct that they stick battery prone human beings in yeah. uh, to resemble the high point of humanity, which is 1999. And I'm not saying this just because I was a teenager graduating college. Like that does sort of feel like our high point. It all went to shit after that. That is true. It, <laughs> that is not a bad point. Actually, we went to war. We started to notice injustice and everything. And like well, the whole world kind of like went from being optimistic about the future to like, ugh. So, like, when I think about it, yeah, I'd like to live in a, con- a server where it's constantly 1999. Okay, so in order to do research for this episode, <laughs> we actually basically threw a cookout to, th- to watch this movie. Bad like, idea, as it turns out. Yeah. Because other people were in, like, like Aaron's was like, like, I'll yeah, come. Yeah, let's yeah, watch it. So we watched it with the Aaron's. We had my stepson, Sam, all of us. We all cooked out and then watched stepson it. Stepson was sort of toward a new asshole. <laughs> what? He was just laughing a lot about, like, oh, yeah. oh the phone. <laughs> The yeah, oh, the phones. Phone. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. But um, I was just, I just felt like I was not high enough slash not, and I wasn't high at all, at all, but I wasn't high enough or not a college freshman enough to enjoy this film again I think, I as think, much as I once did. I think regardless of that, like if you put on Dark City, which I didn't know, not only shared a, shared a, a scenario, they shared sets because mm. they were both shot in, in uh, Australia. Mm-hmm. And... Mm-hmm. Just that the it's a beautiful concept. It's a perfect movie as a singular movie. Mm-hmm. I think it's great. I think mm-hmm. it explains everything that it needs to, and it does need to explain all of that. It does yeah, need to explain that we sullied to explain stuff that we um, sullied the I sky and can't live on the earth because yeah. we wanted to blot out the sun because the uh, the AI that we designed to aid us in every one of our endeavors ended up gra- gaining basic sentience and solar power capabilities that they then harvest us underneath the ground and build this construct that, that we can bi- build wall hacks and cheats for. So if you're a gamer, this makes a ton of sense. Yeah. If you're not, uh, like you need a little no. bit. No, of- actually, you are super wrong. What there. are you talking and about? This is why. Big, okay, so I, when I saw this in 99, mm-hmm. I did not care for it at all. <laughs> I thought it was all style, no substance. The idea that we're trapped in an AI, like I said, Dark City's already done it pretty well. Mm-hmm. People are tampering with your lives to experiment on you, whatever. Keep you keep you asleep so that you don't try to stop them and their nefarious plants. Fine. Basic concept, I got it. Uh, that was not as mind-blowing for me as I guess it was for some other people. I just I just found the whole thing just sort of empty. So I watched it again. And I liked it better this time. Oh. But more things bugged me. I don't want to call them plot holes, but the idea of that you're, because you're in a simulation, you can basically hack the simulation so that you can like run up walls or jump really far. Mm-hmm. Why don't you go farther with that? Like people remember the first time, the, the last shot of the movie is Keanu Reeves like flies away. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, what the fuck? It's, it's like, so awesome. Everyone should be able to do that. <laughs> Because if you know you're in a fucking simulation, you should be able to write a hack that gravity doesn't matter anymore. Or write a hack that you're fucking bulletproof now. But that's not true. That's like Why me handing that's jump like me a handing a little bit, but not fly. That's like me handing you Call of Duty or Dark Souls and like you should be able to be good at it, so therefore why aren't you good at it? Like it, it okay. takes it takes so, a little practice and that's why they sought a out a hack that says Diana's really good at Call of Duty. And I practice, practice, practice on it, like and that's how I know Kung Fu. But you were, you're also like, again, the well-established fact that this is a coder. This is an engineer who can see code. 
is is why right. that's mm-hmm. important mm-hmm. because it can't be okay. just anybody. So, yeah. So code your skin to be bulletproof. Okay, Diana, you're just, like you're gonna have a real problem Honestly, with a little thing in movies called magic at some point if this is your rule. <gasps> but that's the <laughs> point. Isn't that the no, point that I'm it's not magic? Within, well, it's within the logic it's of the movie be logic. itself. They, Honestly, they I hint, kept they thinking hint that, about Inception. And the idea that Inception, if you think about something hard, you can do it. And that basically the version of this is if you code a hack, they're coding a bunch of right. guns. And but, then they're taking the code for all the guns and they're taking them into the Matrix with but them. But the downside, so the downside you being... You code a nuclear weapon. The or, downside yeah, being an Inception, you can go ADAR. insane by going too far into the dream world. Mm-hmm. And you need yeah. some kind of stability there. Whereas in the, in the Matrix, it's talked about... There's a, there's a lot of extended fiction I'm putting into this, but there had been other no. Keanu Reeves and they were they didn't pan out very well. They got as far as they could get and then the AI is designed to adapt mm-hmm. and stamp mm-hmm. out whatever this is. Right. So they have to keep finding people who are better and better and better and better at this because as Morpheus says, it's been right. about 200 years of hu- humanity like kind of not evolving in, in, yes. in thought and or... I, I- got all that i think they have other ways to and just yeah it's the back and forth between okay. explaining too much and explaining too little yes i didn't re- even realize this time i felt like at some point there was an explanation of why you need a phone to get out and i might have missed it this time mm. you need a landline to get out why right and i don't remember if there was an expl- explanation of what's an oracle who's an oracle right what does she know no, so much that's... about everything i think they do that like the next movie right and i was like oh god they're no, talking think... more they talk for about 20 minutes right after a meaningless action sequence. So, this, yeah. the, of course, the sequels have their problems. But I watched this, guess what? I watched this movie three times in preparation to talk about wow. this on the show. Once, wow. once out of, uh, at like, uh, drunken falling asleep, I should just watch this now. Then, like, that was really good. I, need, yeah. I didn't finish it. I need to watch this again. Then Sarah's like, you want to watch it again? I'm like, yes. Yes, I do. I really enjoyed it. And I went and watched the sequels as well. And mm-hmm. I... Gained oh, a little no. more respect for them. Uh, I don't know, like everything everybody hates about them, like they is it is established in the world they built in the first film. If mm. we we're gonna take it to the fucking robots, we're gonna leave this pretty world where we can spin the camera around and run up walls. We just have to wear stupid clothing and be underground. Yeah, uh, that, that's where this is going. <sighs> but but that's the thing. Little things kept bugging me though, like. Why do they, yeah, have to use a telephone to get somewhere and then drive somewhere? How come they always come out wearing really cool-looking, conspicuous clothes, except that they want to look cool? Because There's, they can I be just, whoever they want. I feel like there want. are a lot of choices that they make because it looks cool and not because it's feeding a story. I I thoroughly disagree because the idea of like <laughs> of being choosing an online avatar yeah. or building mm-hmm. your ideal self. I mean. Yeah, but also they're supposed to be spies. They're underground, so yeah. maybe blend yeah. in. Yeah, but they do blend into that world. The world, the world that looks much more insane in the next two movies. Like everybody's uh, dressed like that. No, I'm well. I'm trying to completely ignore the the sequels. Sure. Everything. I want to just take this. No, movie I'm giving you that <laughs> from '99 as it is. It, it, I do find it interesting, like reading back and finding out, like, oh, there was a trans character. And it's like, I kind of want that movie. The idea that oh, there's self-projection inside Switch. the Matrix. Switch. Switch was is, supposed to be trans. Duh. Right. Not like these. The, and again, I think you're it, not like these. And that's why I think we didn't know at the yeah. time that these were going to be, I think, the two most prolific trans directors we've ever had they're, in our, in our they're world. They're the most successful female directors of all time. Yeah. And uh, we had an interesting discussion on Facebook where I kind of asked saw the that. question. Yeah. Like, 
Yeah, if basically like, does this count because they presented as men at the time? And if they presented as women, they wouldn't have gotten the money to make this movie. Mm. And then there's some interesting discussion and realize you can't put an asterisk on it because they they were always women in their head, whether we knew it or not, whether they knew it or not. So they probably knew I to don't, some extent. There's, or there's, they just knew that something was wrong. You can't separate the two. So, yes. And, and that's why that's in, in some of that. I'm not you know, I'm not going to lie. I read a little bit of that. Like, that's why people look the way they do in the matrix is they can be whoever the fuck they want. Mm-hmm. And that's, mm-hmm. and I love the, even like you even see like little spots of dead naming, like mm-hmm. Mr. Anderson, mm-hmm. my name is Neo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, I didn't pick up on that, but I did pick up on a, a character calling him as your personal Jesus. Like the first line of the movie. <laughs> I was like, aha, gotcha. Uh, I, I just, see where you're going with this. If you can, if you can eliminate your feelings of the next two films, mm-hmm. because the second best Matrix movie is the Animatrix, and I couldn't even find that. Uh, they're yeah. all on Amazon Prime. All three are on Amazon Prime, so you can watch them right now on HD. They are glorious. I think this is a perfect first movie, though. Like it, just like Star Wars is, and I don't, and I don't have the same mm-hmm. baggage with Empire or Jedi. But the people who grew up with, who like were teenagers when Star mm-hmm. Wars came out, some of them hate Return of the Jedi. Like it's the mm. worst thing that's ever happened. Yeah. So they feel the yeah, same no, way people is, feel about revolutions. This is far and away the best Matrix movie. Yeah, we don't even yeah. have to argue about that. Um, but it's the perfect I, movie. I, like Star I Wars is the perfect movie. I understand why people like it and why they, you know, hold it so close to their hearts. It just never got there for me. But I can't say that it's not important as a movie because mm-hmm. it's definitely important. The National Film Registry, the Library of Congress Registry. This is the only movie from '99 in there right now. Wow. Blows my fucking mind. Not even dogma? (laughs) Not even dogma. Not even election. Yeah. Mentioning election again this show. Well, that's... that's, uh, Speaking of... It it is important because it's pushing effects and ideas about effects forward. No, but... Even if you don't like anything else in it. It built an effect. And and some of the things you you say about... Like, I was there with you. I, I... I think I've told that story, but I took acid the night before and hoping it was still kicked in. I snuck in to see Matrix at 10 o'clock mm-hmm. and fell asleep and like, I don't get it. And then I saw it a couple weeks later and like this movie blew my mind. I love it. Well, and- I think it's also important not only in the effects, but I mean, I do think that it helps people. It did engender a lot of conversations about philosophy, the nature of reality sure. and that sort of thing, yeah. especially for probably younger people who might not have had those conversations yes. before. Yes. Well, I remember very, very vividly like first hearing about the matrix during a sleepover where one of my best <laughs> friends had seen it with her dad and she described the entire movie and every plot point to me. And I was like, damn, this sounds super scary, but I got to see it. It's awesome. And, I loved it, and I still do kind of love it. A lot of the dialogue, I'm just like, it, it's, 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 when you and that's know why I came out of it like, yikes. When you but, know that everything that's happening, you're dying to jump to a new sequence. Yeah. There's a lot of Morpheus explaining things. I think a, a ton big, of it. yeah. I but think I think that that's the, that's big part of it. I made fun of it when I took acid and was tired. Like, man, that was a lot of fucking style over substance. But it's just like, what other movie characters can you recognize from Silhouette? Mm. Like, it's. It's <laughs> it's a beautiful design, and if in a lot of other movies tried to rip it off, like mm-hmm. not a lot, mm-hmm. but like a few did, and that was annoying, and we all were annoyed with the Matrix by proxy because of that. Mm-hmm. But we live in a world where nothing else looks like the Matrix, and the Wachowskis are like 
some of my favorite directors ever who make a bunch of shit, a bunch of awesome stuff that the rest of the world finds reasons to shit on mm. by poking tiny little <laughs> holes in it. It's ridiculous. Cloud Atlas, Jupiter Ascending fucking rule. I don't know Jupiter Ascending rules. It does. It, Speed Racer's amazing. V for Vendetta rules. It, like almost Wait, everything. I think they, they did V for Vendetta. I think Vendetta? They, they wrote it and produced oh. it. It's oh, okay. Produced. They produced it. Okay. They, yeah. It, that does so. rule. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, like I said, I liked it better the second time, especially the first, yeah, like 45 minutes or so before he's unplugged and is like in the quote unquote real world. He's not in the Matrix anymore. There's some like real nice noir filmmaking yeah. in there mm-hmm. with some of the chase scenes. You know, I, I really like the the thriller aspects of it, of, you know, sneaking around and the the office on the phone where the agents are, you know, sneaking up on him and stuff like I actually I like that stuff way better this time. Yeah, they, then, they give it this odd green tint uh, to yeah. everything that occurs inside the Matrix. And that, I don't know, it gives it a look that's not like any other film. Because it's like being inside of a DOS computer. That's, yeah, that was, that was the goal. Yeah. yeah, that you're but, viewing it through a, a fucking Tandy screen or some shit. But we did take a poll, and basically everyone voted stay in the Matrix. <laughs> I do yeah. not want to get out of the Matrix and not have really. to wear a torn sweatshirt and eat gruel every day. Yeah, I gotta say. Uh, Sorry. Yep. I'll check my privilege and say I'm sick of learning how horrible everything else is right now because when everything is horrible for me locally too, it doesn't give you a lot of optimism. <laughs> but but beyond yeah. that, like so here here's here's my big things problems when watching The Matrix. A couple of things because it did give us some bad stuff. Mm-hmm. Some 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 very bad stuff. Oh, yes, it, I wonder yes. what we're talking about now. It gave us mass shooters. Being synonymous with trench coats. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, they they tried to tie that one uh, when, like I said, I get to Columbine next month. Um, I remember them showing clips of the Matrix, mm-hmm. you know, big uh, shootout in the lobby, and being like, "Look, they're wearing trench coats. Look." Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, in the reality, like that's that's sort of bullshit because like goths and people are doing that. We now have, but we also yeah. have a sect of people who refer to themselves as red pillars, and we refer to red pillars, yeah, pejoratively yeah. or not. And that comes from this film. I can't express like this is 1999 is my favorite era for filmmaking. Maybe that's more due to me being a young man at this time. But uh, this is a headier action film. This is not Lethal Weapon. And it's brought to you by right. the Lethal Weapon guy. Uh, it's, yeah, that's and, a good point. And it's convinc- a movie that tells you, like, what if the world isn't as you see it? Mm-hmm. Which I also mm-hmm. think damaged a ton of people forever after. And when you're now, mm-hmm. like, just be on YouTube for more than 45 minutes. And you'll find the most uninformed person in the universe uh, <laughs> trying to convince you that he's the most informed. Mm-hmm. And that the earth mm-hmm. is flat. And that vaccines kill your babies. That's the problem. And, yeah, that is a problem. Believe with anything like you this. see. I love it as a philosophical jumping-off point, but you gotta read more after this. Like, continue yeah. on with that. So, we actually watched this movie at Philosophy Camp because our <laughs> the theme of the Philosophy Camp was the philosophy of the self and what is consciousness, mm-hmm. and this movie. Perfect. Like I didn't really understand the concepts of phenomenology and numenology until we watched this movie, (laughs) and so like this movie pairs very nicely with those kinds of conversations. So you know, Mm. but like everything, go further than the movie, y'all. Like read some stuff. Daniel Dennett has done some beautiful work on consciousness and brain in a vat type stuff, and Mm. it's very very good. Mm. So definitely check that out. It, 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 the, the the cast was required to read certain 
in addition to training for four months to do like everybody doing their own stunts, I think mm-hmm. this is Carrie Ann Moss, poor mm. woman, her first movie. Yeah. So she thinks this is how every movie is. Yeah, you'll be dangling from wires in a skin tight suit. Yeah. Uh, oh, thank you for mentioning wires. That's another big thing. Right. To this, help bring wire food to the West. Mm-hmm. Right. So visually, nothing wor- looks worse in this movie than the non sentinel CG. Mm-hmm. The CG looks mm-hmm. largely terrible, but like the wire shit yeah. in the slow motion, even the bullet time to some extent, it's a practical effect. It still looks dope. Mm-hmm. And by the time Keanu yeah. Reeves does that thing in the back that that is parodied, I think, in 40 movies after this that I thought I'd never want to see again, like it's earned when he gets there. Yeah, It's earned when he stops the bullets and he does that shit. And like it all feels like it mm-hmm. should be cheesier than it is, but it makes sense when you're watching it like as a normal fucking movie. That's true. It's beautiful. It's, it's still a great sequence the end of that film. Yes. And uh, even before I'm the epilogue. I'm still concerned about the murders. Which murders? Well, they make a point that if you kill someone in the Matrix, they die in real right. life. And that people don't know they're in the Matrix and they will fight for the status quo. Right. Mm-hmm. And then they murder a bunch of security that, guards. My stepson brought that mm-hmm. up. He was like, why are they murdering those guys? They don't, they didn't do anything. They're just doing their job. Exactly. Like, yeah, con- you're con- such a good kid. Conversely, uh, if the longer they stay there, the more likely those people are to be possessed by agents and die anyway, as they're right. trying to free humanity. I mean, they just want to go home to yeah. their family. I'm telling you, it has, it has a ton of problematic shit when we talk about mass shooters and red pillars. Yeah. It, it's, it's, also, I... This bugs me in many, many, many movies, not mm-hmm. just The Matrix, but the amount of bullets that get shot without hitting any person <laughs> drives, drives me up the wall, especially the helicopter Morpheus scene. How does Morpheus oh not God. get riddled with bullets? Cut Morpheus in half. I don't with that get thing. it. <laughs> that yeah. scene is so fucking dope. It's so good. And it's like, it's nothing. And it's so much smaller than what you think about The Matrix as a trilogy. This The, the sequence involves a helicopter, some mm-hmm. slow motion. Mm hmm. And uh, it's just great. I fucking love this movie. And yeah. you should totally watch it again. And the fact that, it, like, I don't know, the, the beauty of shooting it in Australia gives it this otherworldly, like, what the fuck city is this? Yeah, it doesn't look like any of our cities, <laughs> really. Yeah, and they, yeah, I don't they, know if they just took down all the signage, maybe, on a couple streets, because it, it does look wonderfully generic. Yeah. yeah. Apparently, they had a hard time, like, we got to shoot in a ghetto, and like, well, we don't have one. <laughs> we, we don't have a ghetto here. We're Australia. Yeah. And then, so they had to like dress shit up to like make it look dirtier than it was. Uh, but... Oh, because everything in the movie is made out of balsa wood, basically. <laughs> you gotta kick somebody through. Yeah, it. the toilet's made of balsa yeah, wood. As, 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 the decision to shoot in Australia was because like um, it's a beautiful story of the Wachowskis trying to get this made, and people are like, I think I get this. The, Will Smith has a video on his YouTube channel talking about meeting them. Like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to be his next movie with Warner Brothers. Instead, he mm. chose Wild Wild West. And, oh, and uh, that that people are like, we think we get it. And they, they invested in getting 600 storyboards, hundreds of storyboards ready to show mm-hmm. people because it was too hard to describe. Mm-hmm. And like, well, if you're going to do it like that, you're going to need a lot more explanation sequences with Morpheus. And uh, and then I think they said shooting in Australia, meant it would have been like the most expensive movie, ma- like the second most expensive movie ever made if we, it was in the United States. Mm-hmm. So they chose Australia. Mm-hmm. And, and it ended up $60 million, The Matrix. Hmm. And and when you watch wow. it right now, it doesn't look like six, like this has an independent movie budget. Mm-hmm. Holy mm-hmm. shit. This looks fantastic. Yeah. And it's, it's visionary. Yeah. It's beautiful world building. I think it's a fucking timeless film because it's set in a date that even the characters don't know that they're in. Uh, it's beautiful. Yeah. And the worst thing about it yeah. is that we have learned nothing 
I'm about to give my games over to Google. Uh, <laughs> we, we embrace the robots. We talk to them every day. I love that. This movie lives better in my memory than I have a better time talking about it and thinking about it and remembering my good times with this movie than I actually did rewatching it. I would watch it right now. Hmm. That's how I feel. Yeah. And I would watch yeah. it. I would watch it on the grave of 10 Things I Hate About You. <gasps> there, I said it. I'm trying you to antagonize even you. Seen that movie. Could <laughs> you? I am. Holy shit. This is going right. to be our longest show ever. Bad. Chris, if you had to recommend one movie, Matrix or Heathers? Ooh, a real Sophie's choice here. Heathers. Not an option. Heathers. <laughs> okay. Okay. Heather, Heathers won't create a bunch of trench coat wearing school shooting red pillars. <laughs> Strangely enough, it won't compare to The Matrix. Weird. That is weird. So crazy. Wow. A movie about trench coat wearing school shooters. I know. I know. It doesn't make any sense. It's <laughs> likely to start them. It doesn't make any sense. My mind is blown, y'all. Oh, God. <laughs> oh man okay we have to move on to television 1999 uh, march 29th yeah. through april april 2nd um we missed this last week monica Lewinsky yeah. grant's first interview with barbara walters oh, dang yeah we missed it this is a everybody stopped and watched 49 million people watched to finally get Lewinsky's side of the story in first person with a lot of euphemisms, I remember my my roommates being confused because Barbara Walters asked her something about, and so this time you did not perform oral sex to completion. <laughs> I'm like, oh my, oh my god, my, everyone in the room was like, what the fuck is she talking about? He's saying you didn't come. So why yeah. didn't you put your hand up to block the man sauce from hitting your dress? <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so we're talking, we finally get to hear from from the girl and we find out, uh, yeah, she's kind of like a dumb 22 year old and uh, is naive and didn't realize that this was uh, like the worst thing you could ever do (laughs) because you will forever be known by this. And again, everyone asking you right now, who among you wouldn't fuck the president just to have the story? I, I would do it. I would especially right now. Oh, well, you especially right now. Yeah. For, for him to get caught with a dude would be pretty fun. Oh, that'd be hilarious. Oh, that's the spot. Um, You're really hitting it. Oh. Uh, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> He's making his little seal motions with his hands as I'm coming at him from the back. I get, you know, my, uh, personally, I'm sort of like how I was about Hugh Hefner, which is like, I don't want to, but because of the slim chance that he will die during, <laughs> then maybe I will. Look, it, so that I can be the one who stops his reign of terror. Can't help it. I'm attracted to power. Uh, but, but John Oliver has a new interview with her right now, and that's a it's pretty a really good watch. interview with yeah. Monica Lewinsky. Yeah. I, it's it's I not it's not like it. weepy. It's just like yeah. Here's the like here's just how it was. Yeah, she's doing a lot of good work about shame culture. She's fucking hilarious, dude. Yeah. She's good. That she's woman, come out on the other side. That woman's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> now I can't believe I have to stop talking about Monica Lewinsky. There's something I don't know anything about. NCAA March Madness. Connecticut beats Duke. Take that, Tar Heelers. Yeah, is, go ahead. Did I get no. it? No. No. Blue Devils. Blue de- what? What's the difference in a Blue Devil and a Tar Heel? Unclear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Look the same on a fucking hat. Uh, yes, and on the 31st, oh shit, the Drew Carey Show airs What's Wrong With This Episode 2. Do you two. remember these? Yeah, we talked about the last mm-hmm. one last oh, year. Oh, okay, so never mind then, because, well, you don't have to play the clip I pulled. The, I could only find a promo from the first 
time oh, yeah. where it's like Mimi explaining, Mimi explaining it. So we don't have to play that again. But um, but yeah, what a cool concept. Really, like basically. The, I tried to find out who won and I couldn't find a that. A TV show that was the back of the highlights magazine. Yes. Like, what's wrong with this episode? Like, <laughs> yeah. who's wearing a clown nose? This person walked through the camera twice. And it was like, I think, 80 things in the episode. Mm-hmm. But they also tried to make a real episode that you could enjoy regularly. But there's stuff going wrong. In front so of your face. So fun. Yeah. What a great idea. And it was like a contest uh-huh. where people yeah. could win money if you found the... The most things that were wrong things. with the Drew Carey the episode. Yeah. It's, it's such to, a cool concept. Yeah. It has to be confusing as shit if you've never seen the show and you just see it in syndication right yeah. now. Like, what the <laughs> fuck were these humans into yeah, in 1999? Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, is he trying to photocopy that dog? <laughs> <laughs> That's the kind of shit he would do. Um, yeah. April 4th, are we going? I said April 2nd. All the way to April 4th. Uh, touched by an angel into the fire. Sorry. There wasn't a lot of TV this week, so I'm a little bit grasping at straws, but man, did I watch the shit out of some Touched by an Angel with you, my family oh, growing no. up. And at church? Where? Just like whenever it would come on. It came on right after early, early edition or whatever. <laughs> you had no childhood. Okay. <laughs> I, I was born 60. It's fine, y'all. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I just pulled this one just because finally we get some fun uh, guest stars with Cynthia Nixon and Montel Williams, where Montel Williams plays a cult leader. And so every episode, Roma Downey is like put in a situation, quantum leap style, except she always looks like her. Is this the talk show host or the this is how we do it, Montel? Wait, the talk show host. Thank God. Okay. Did I get, wait, did I get his name right? No, you did. It's fine. Montel Jordan is this is how we do it, right? Okay. (laughs) Sorry. Why did I I make sure I got that right? (laughs) Anyways, (laughs) Roman Downey's like put in a situation where she has to show, not really save someone, but just kind of like show them the error of their ways and change their lives for the better. And Cynthia Nixon wants to join this cult that Montel Williams is in charge of. And I like scrubbed through the episode because I was not about to watch the entire thing. But I brought it to the culminating scene where he's convincing everyone to kill themselves. <laughs> and Roma Downey saves everyone. Oh my God. Aged. Please, Brother David, please. Let's go. I am your father. If you ask me for bread, shall I give you a stone? No. I shall give you eternal life. She is an angel, right? She's an angel. Okay. And so she's not getting burned up by the flames. Then she just walks over and unlocks the door that they were all locked in. <laughs> but this is pure lunacy. Like, this Why don't you challenge that, Diana? Why did you just use her magic to make sure Montel Jordan was never born? No one would know how Jordan. he did it. <laughs> I need Montel Jordan out of this. Yeah, you did nothing wrong. I hope. I don't know. Yeah, I haven't I'm looked not, into it. Yeah, I'm not investing in that in anybody from the 90s at this point. Yeah. But a uh, big game on uh, in, in this period, March 29th through April 4th. A really big game, actually. A little game programmed by one dude, Chris Sawyer. Uh, Roller Coaster Tycoon sold millions of copies on pretty much every platform ever. If you doesn't matter if you like games or not, you might like Roller Coaster Tycoon. You build roller coasters and manage an amusement park. Hmm. It's not... Did we talk about this already, or was it... Uh, just a similar game that like we he, about. He's, like he's he. I think it said he pocketed himself thirty million dollars 
off of this one game that he made by himself. And he's been a consultant on the resulting sequels and ports ever since. So I think his website's beautiful and still up from like really from this era. Mm. I encourage you to go Mm. see it because it's this little fact on how to play Roller Coaster Tycoon that he clearly wrote himself. Uh, but yeah, there's been there's been plenty of other roller coaster tycoons, Diana. I think we had the se- a couple sequels here and there, and ports, ah. but the first one for PC is out this week, 1999. Um, well, let's get the hell out of 1999. We'll close out with "Can't Take My Eyes Off You" by Frankie Valli. Why? Because ten things I hate about you. Okay. It plays things and dances to it. Yes, it ha- it plays heavily into it. God forbid we play something from the Matrix soundtrack. Okay, fine, but we'll oh, see you here, in 2009. I'll do it for you. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm there, y'all. It's 2019, people, and you should resolve to sleep better. Yes, you spend a third of your life sleeping, so you should be comfy. That's why we're sponsored today by Casper Mattress, the ultra-comfy, hyper-affordable, hassle-free mattress. And you will not believe how little they cost and how easy it is to ship to you for free. Better still, you can get $50 towards any new mattress by visiting caspertrial.com slash laser time. Rest assured, seriously, uh, the experts at Casper work tirelessly to make, make a quality sleep surface that cradles your natural geometry in all the right places. Plus, Casper offers affordable prices because Casper cuts out those middlemen and sells directly to you. Big box stores are going to want to sell you a mattress for thousands of dollars, but Casper starts at much less, around $500. they are offering two mattresses right now, the Wave and the Essential. The Wave features a patent-pending premium support system to mirror the natural shape of your body, whereas the Essential has a streamlined design at a price that won't keep you up at night. There's a reason Casper is the internet's favorite mattress, because you can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free trial. Sleep on it for 100 nights. Don't like it? They'll come get it, dispose of it, give you a full refund as if it never happened. And yes, shipping and returns are free to U.S. and Canada. So once again, to get $50 towards any new mattress, visit caspertrial.com slash laser time. This week on Laser Time, the Internet's seventh leading pop culture podcast, the gang is tackling a brand new topic. But uh, plague movies. Yeah. Or I think it's my favorite sub-genre, yeah. like a micro-genre of like, they are a few and far between, and that bears out in my research because... The ones that I found are mm-hmm. ones that we love and we watch over and over again. And that's kind of why I want to do this episode, too, because I want to open it up to the community. Tell me your favorite plague. Yeah. Because, you know, I've taken epidemiology classes. It's definitely like a a personal interest of mine and the CDC and all, how it all works. And mm-hmm. so one of them is like on my top five favorite movies list. But I think the one that we watched the most that probably most people have seen is Outbreak. Yeah. Now, I know that some of us have doubts about what we're about to do. We'd be less than human if we didn't. But the fate of the nation, perhaps the world, is in our hands. We cannot, we dare not refuse this burden. I'm confident that each of you will do his duty. God forgive us. <laughs> Obviously, we all heard Morgan Freeman. Right. Yes, yes, we, <laughs> we gonna, did. We're going to win the fight against this virus, Mr. Wayne. Also, <laughs> Cuba you got diseases, Jr. don't you, monkey? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Watching 30, oh, 20, God. Thank God you watched uh, Lean on <laughs> recently. Uh, I was worried you wouldn't get that there's joke, two, and you got it better than I did. two people in the room who got that joke, but nobody else. <laughs> 
That's Laser Time. New every Monday on LazerTimePodcast.com, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea, it's time for Diana's Classic Corner. We look even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of March 29th through April 4th, we've got another one of my favorite movies to talk about. We already talked about Heathers back in the 80s, and now we've got uh, here in Classic Corner, March 29th, 1959, Mike makes it the 60th anniversary of the release of Billy Wilder's Some Like It Hot, which that's usually my short answer for what's my favorite movie, just because, I mean, it's easy to just have you need to have one in your back pocket when people find out like oh she really likes classic movies but i like to throw this one out and, and just see what happens because it's ridiculously funny and incredibly silly i think the afi list they made it they, they named it i think the best comedy uh, american comedy of all time which is pretty fair because it's just it holds up on rewatch which is hard for comedies to do so uh anyway it's got uh, Jack Lemon and Tony Curtis, uh, they see a mob hit in the 30s, and so they go undercover as women in a girl band, and then they go down to Florida with Marilyn Monroe, and um, they both have the hots for her. What are they going to do? Oh no, the mob is here again. Ah, is yes, it's bosom buddies. Okay, whatever. But Marilyn Monroe, it's one of her best performances, even though she was having a lot of her own problems at the time. Uh, a lot of times she's she's just shot in close-up, not just to show off how gorgeous she is, but because, like, she screwed up so many takes that they just let all the actors go home and just let her try to do it. Um, but it's got the the fast dialogue, great physical comedy, all the stuff that Billy Wilder is known for, and some, like, it's kind of sweet at the end. Like, I mean, yeah, it's, it's very sweet and oddly progressive for a drag comedy, if you think about it, that doesn't matter the gender of the person you love it matters that they're a person and you love them i suppose anyway that's it for this week some like it hot y'all should see it and that's it stay classic The Shasha Shasha Shallow herself, Lady Gaga, coming in with Poker Face. It's number one this week. Finally, it, the album's been up for a while, right, Dime? Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, a month, couple months or so. Yeah. But this was just like, dude, we didn't even have a car, but you could hear this walking down the street. Mm-hmm. Poker Face was everywhere. Yeah. Poker Face by Lady Gaga. We also have uh, other new releases in the field of music, March 29th through April 4th. Uh, UGK for Life, the final album by UGK. Am I saying that right? It's not UGG. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Soundstage Sessions by Stevie Nicks. American Soldier by Queensryche. Living Thing by Peter Bjorn and John. Uh, Define Gravity by Keith Urban. Free by Gavin DeGraw. Roots by Flo Rida. Quiet Nights by Diana Krall. New Jack City 2 by Bow Wow. Everyday Demons by The Answer. And The Sleeper by The Leisure Society. Wow. Wow. You could have made up like four of those. Yeah. I had, I'd have to believe you. I've heard of most of those people. Mm. Bow Wow, by the way. Dropped a little. Just I don't know. Bow Wow. If, just just no. Bow Wow now. He's a man now. He's a, he well, he's a, a man a, now. Yeah. 
2009, you're in it, people. Uh, March 29th through the 4th. Here's a little news. Jesus. Uh, Sweden legalizes same-sex marriage? Way to go, Sweden! Yeah. Way to go, Sweden. And again, on April 1st. It could be a joke. We didn't follow up on it. Uh, and also on the 1st, Albania and Croatia join NATO. Yay! 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 Oh, shit! And I actually I heard this recently. I was, going, I was researching... On the 3rd of April, the BBC fined a record 150,000 pounds uh, to Russell Brand for a phone prank. Wow, what happened? Yeah. He called... Uh, it was. It's really actually pretty cruel. It's like the, the closest I've seen to like England having a morning radio. It's on Jonathan Ross's show, isn't it? Hmm. Yeah. Or... Yeah, I think it was on, he was with Jonathan Ross, and they called Andrew Sachs, who's the guy who played Manuel on Faulty Towers, and they just he, left horrible, really rude messages. Yeah, about just, him fucking yeah. his daughter, which I think he like actually did, and is like calling what? this old man who's a British treasure and leaving prank messages about it on his phone. It's like it's surprisingly cruel. I think. Wait, wait, he actually had sex with his daughter? I think so. I think that's how the conversation started, no. or like how they got the the number or something like that. What? Yeah. No, I swear yeah. it's it's a long clip if you listen to it. Uh, I, I prefer of course not. I could I could be wrong, <laughs> but like yeah, I like oh yeah, I guess England England has their morning zoos too. <laughs> oh boy! But yeah. uh, oh no, it's because I think Russell Brand had sex with yes. Sachs's granddaughter. Granddaughter, that's what you say. You're not saying. Oh, I thought you not were saying Andrew saying... Sachs had, had sex with his children. <laughs> that's why I'm so no. perplexed. Yeah, why we're being so weird and casual about it. No, why do you guys always lean to, to pedophilia? Anyway, <laughs> they always been that yep. way. I cut it out every time. Okay. Well, that is what I was thinking this whole time. <laughs> was that? Okay. Get that Michael Let's Jackson episode out of your head. Can, can I say, there's there's a nice long Wikipedia entry about this, and I just hit the best line I think I've ever read. This incident resulted in the second highest numbers of complaints to the BBC in recent years, second only to its airing of Jerry Springer, the opera. <laughs> Nice. Which is weird. It's not like it's not like they violated like uh, FCC rules over here and said something naughty. It's just like everyone found it distasteful. Yeah, people are like, <laughs> that sucks. Yes, that was disgraceful. Why would you do that? Rude. Make him pay some. Make him pay some pounds. Um, <laughs> movies. Two thousand nine. Alien Trespass. Aaron McCormick. Jenny Baird. Robert Patrick. I have never heard of this. I hadn't heard of this either. I'm kind of curious to see it now because it is a straight up. 50s style alien invasion movie like it seems to take place in the 50s and they're like everything is treated like oh i think i'll just i'm a scientist i'll take my pipe over here and i'll just (laughs) look at oh no aliens Mm -hmm. so like oh that seems fun but it's all every ad was very visual so Mm. sorry and uh, also out this week in 2009 the boat that rocked aka pirate radio i think i remember seeing the ads for this I, I got, never got a around mm-hmm. seeing it. Promotional Blu-ray. I saw it. It's uh, totally boring. It. Mm. <laughs> it was not great. Tom oh, Sturgis, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Billy Nye, uh, Nick Frost, uh, Reese Ifans. Uh, but what it's about? Again, speaking of England's FCC, what a good segue. Uh, whatever that <laughs> yeah. is, like a a boat that literally broadcast a pirate radio station to get past guidelines in the seventies. To play raucous 60s. 60s. To play raucous rock music. They would not play rock hmm. on BBC Radio. So they 
parked in international waters and started beaming stuff. Mm. And something like half the country would listen to it at some point or another, like mm. during a week. It was yeah. hugely popular because they're playing. I mean, it's the late 60s. It's a great time in rock and they're playing all the popular fun shit. And it's all about like the wacky goings on on this boat, which are sometimes uh, a bit rapey. And oh. sometimes they're just cruel, like January Jones shows up and marries Chris O'Dowd and turns out, oh, she's here for different reasons. But I mean, lots of fun character actors that I like that are fun. Um, I don't know why. It just sort of left me going, eh. Like, I'd rather just listen to the music from this because yes. all the music fucking ruled. Pirate Radio is a much better title than The Boat That Rocked. Yeah. Yeah, Yikes. yeah, it's 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 clearly made for very very old people. Yeah, and but who can remember this happening? Because other than that, like, I don't know, maybe I'm just callous right now. Like, was there ever a situation where I'd care if people could listen to rock music? I don't know. Like, it doesn't seem like a thing that would bother me mm. at this point uh, with all yeah. the horrible well, stuff. Well, I mean, if it's yeah, if it's not you know rock music, they're trying to keep popular entertainment away from you. Right. If it's not rock, let's say rap. Let's say no one's allowed to play rap. Anywhere. Mm. Oh, I can get behind I'm that. I'm on board now. That would be really fucking annoying. Those young men. No, I listen to it. Just what? Oh, no. The kinks are going to destroy society. <laughs> How dare you? Look out, everyone. Joe Cocker is coming for your children. He's got cock in his name and pictures of lilies about masturbation. It's just, it's all gross. Hmm. Um, <laughs> I yeah, don't. but I mean, it's it's cute. It's, 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 it's just like, it's clearly know? they're casting a bunch of like England heavies to play other that people that I should recognize but mm-hmm. don't. Mm-hmm. I have no idea who these people are. Nah, I, I, I'm not sure. You I mean, a lot so? of velvet suits, so I'm always happy <laughs> okay. to share. I mean, the only thing, uh, Kenneth Browner as like the most annoying Nazi guy ever, <laughs> he's just like, we've got to shut down this bollocks. It's like, <laughs> he's really going for it. And it's like, uh, I don't know if you're in the right movie right now. Like, are we going to go that crazy? Or are we bringing it back or not? And, Eh, it was interesting. I just it ended up sending me down a weird rabbit hole about Sealand, and I'm f- really pissed off there isn't a movie about Sealand. Tell me about Sealand, Diana. Sealand is a uh, like an uh, an anti um, I don't know if it's an anti aircraft gun or an anti naval gun platform that is outside of British territorial waters, built for World War II, and. At one point, a pirate radio station took it over, and then, like, another pirate radio station came and, like, fought them and kicked them out. Oh, my right. God. And then this other dude took over and declared the independent independent land of Sealand with him and his family. <laughs> wow. Said, oh, we're our own country now. I started issuing passports. And then, <laughs> like, they got attacked by some mercenaries who were wow. trying to take it back. And then they had to stop issuing passports because they were being used for, like, money laundering. Just any article you read about it, it sounds like the funniest. Just it's like, no, this is not real. No, but no, it's a movie that definitely needs a movie. I think even it is a movie. It's it's strange because like even though it's only been it's only been ten years, which again, two thousand nine for someone my age doesn't feel like that long ago. Mm-hmm. This movie and the next movie, all they both feel like things you would never see a movie made about anymore. They, mm-hmm. they wouldn't be movies. They would be VH1 mm-hmm. specials. They'd be an HBO series. Uh, as well as uh, Adventureland. Yeah. The small story mm-hmm. of kids working in a theme park in the 80s. I don't see I this as a movie this. that's, yeah, there's nothing not to like about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jesse Eisenberg, Kristen Stewart, Martin Starr, Ryan Reynolds, Bill Hader, and Kristen Wiig in Adventureland. It's James. By accepting this t shirt, you are hired. From the director of Superbad. 
You'll get better at avoiding that. The worst job ever. I'm amazed at how tiny my paycheck is. We are doing the work of pathetic, lazy morons. <laughs> Might just leave to the best time of his life. Adventureland. Coming? Yeah, you go ahead. I'll be in a second. Overhead him! <laughs> It's it's so it's crazy. Sweet. Uh, it's just a sweet movie. it looks yep. it looks to me like the most fun job in the universe. Who wouldn't, as a teenager, want a summer job at the water park or Ew. theme park? What I would so much barf. But I also now as an adult, like I don't want teenagers manning any of this shit. <laughs> Responsible <laughs> for my safety, let alone my children, which I don't have. But mm-hmm. like, uh, yeah, Adventureland. Yeah, yeah the, we if you remember Diamond Dog Dave Rudden, uh, past and future guest of this of uh, this program. He worked at Adventureland, but this isn't the actual Adventureland because he said uh, the Long Island one updated and it was no longer 80s enough to be <laughs> featured in this film. But it's uh, inspired mm. by, he said, mm. that Adventureland that I think still exists in Long Island. That's cool. Because um, okay. he was lucky yeah, enough to have this. It's supposed job. to be outside of Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And one thing I was surprised just uh, watching all the ads, you think, like, oh, this is about like, after you like you're in high school you're graduating high school going off to college but no it's about jesse eisenberg just graduated from college even though everything feels more high school and like the only explanation for that is because there is so much weed is like the third character in this movie (laughs) that's true like yeah to get through every weed is the answer to every problem (laughs) which is like okay okay i mean it's better than a lot of other things like you know sleeping with your married co-worker or I don't know, asking a girl out just because. I guess, you know what? This ties back around to 10 Things I Hate About You. One thing that surprised me about Adventureland is there's like a really hot, popular girl, and mm-hmm. you expect, oh, she's going to be a giant bitch. And it turns out, oh, no, she's okay. She's like the best friend character. Yeah, that's nice. She's, no, she's okay. Yeah. She's she's like a nice person. She's not the smartest, but she's she's nice. And plus, I love it anytime I get to see Bill Hader and Kristen Wiig play together. They're so good. It didn't seem like they could be in a movie without one another. I know. It's it's insane. Oh, they God. literally played they twins. So yeah, brothers. They played lovers and brothers and sisters before. It's very strange. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No, and it's just yeah. It's it made me oddly nostalgic, and I'm never nostalgic for being a teenager. But yeah, being like late college and like summertime in the Northeast, it's all muggy and the lightning bugs are out, and just don't you have responsibilities, but not mm-hmm. that much and. I, yeah. I, I miss tremendously. It was, nice. it, was, it was really nice. I miss all the time when I see movies like that. Just trying to remember back to a point where my brain isn't screaming at me, it's almost tomorrow! Whereas, like, I could just <laughs> sit around with my friends and, like, time would just pass and I don't yeah. have shit to do. Yeah. Oh, God. Ugh. I don't it, even believe that time existed for me. <laughs> it feels like it never happened. Yeah. And I can't even. Ugh. Yeah. Ooh, but that yeah. did not. Also. The judgment too, and I'm thinking about like the movie. Like you expect a, a movie about like a lovable loser and the girl he has a crush on, and it turns out that like she's been with this other guy. You sort of expect there to be like a showdown or something, or there's going to be a point where he finds out and gets all upset, and then there's maybe a sad montage. And it's like people aren't really villains or good or heroes, and they don't like get a big comeuppance like. No one gets shoved into a pool and everyone laughs at him. Ha ha ha. Like, no, people just kind of no. go on with their lives and just think, well, that guy was an asshole. Not even an exploding funnel cake? Right yeah. Oh, man. You know, if you also, if you really like Adventureland, I would recommend uh, this series on Amazon called Red Oaks. Um, hey. with, oh, yeah. Yeah. Paul Reiser, 
and others and um and it's esmer and it's set at like a country club and it kind of follows this kid working there during his summers and it's during the the 80s mm-hmm. and it feels very similar of those like long days and having the crush on the lifeguard girl who's like super mm-hmm. hot and everything and just a really charming wonderful show doing a thousand things in a day i miss it mm. Whew, uh, oh, actually, before we get to number one, we skipped one. Uh, we skipped the Escapist. We did oh, skip yes. the Escapist with, yeah, with Damien Lewis, the man with the tiniest mouth in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> he has a very tiny mouth. He does. <laughs> He's again British. No lips. They just don't have them. They we, never moved over there. They, they have never to got make them. room for all the teeth. And Liam yeah, Cunningham but, and Joseph. Uh, finally, another movie with Joseph Fiennes in it. I didn't think one existed. Uh, Brian and Brian Cox in the Escapist. I want out, Brody. Not in a month. Not sex. No. My first letter in 14 years. I gotta see her. I gotta make things right. The air vents in the laundry. Would they connect to a sewer? Yeah. Holy shit. Okay, you see, I just assumed this is a clever title if you told me it's... I love an Escape from Prison film. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah it's... It's a pretty good Escape from Prison movie. It's not great, but it's definitely watchable Escape from Prison movie where, yeah, Brian Cox is a lifer and uh, finds out his daughter's in trouble. And he's like, fuck it, I'm getting out of here. And there's also like, he's got to do a favor for this guy to get on this guy's good side. But these guys hate each other. And so there's all this like inter inter jail politics and mm. stuff. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's all right. Directed by. Not, not great. It's like a. A light recommend. Directed yeah. by Rupert Wyatt, the guy who, the first man in history to make Planet of the Apes watchable again. Hmm. Exactly. This is his first movie. See? Now I gotta see it. I fucking love. Yeah. What? Now I'm forgetting the name of the film. What is it? Not Dawn. Not War. Rise. 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 of the Planet of the Apes. Okay. Yeah. But even Rise of the Planet of the Apes can't be number one at the box Speaking office. Of it's not out yet. Confusing franchise titles. <laughs> <laughs> Rise of the Planet of the Apes is the ninth movie. Oh, no, okay. No. It's yeah, it's a seventh movie, okay. but it's a remake of the fourth movie. Oh boy. It's also a prequel to the first movie. Yeah, but not I'm, the second movie. I'm checked out. Not the third movie. I'm um, staring off into the middle distance. There's a split timeline there. I could explain this all on another podcast. Um number one this week is the fourth film in a franchise with no four in it. It's just three words. Uh, fast and Furious. Oh. The cops are getting hungry. And I guess we're doing our job. On April 3rd. You sure you want to do this? A lot has changed. You're right. It's not what you drive. I always wondered, why'd you let my brother go that day? It's what drives you. I guess nothing really matters unless you have a code. Ride or die, remember? Fast and Furious, rated PG-13, in theaters Friday, April 4th. Oh, Fast and Furious. Mm. <sighs> nope. Nope. And weird feelings about it, because... This is this, this is the worst one. It, is so, it really? Worse than the second? Yeah. And, but it's crazy, because it shouldn't... It doesn't... It doesn't feel like it should be the worst. And here's the... Tra- Diane and I are mm-hmm. huge fans of the current Fast franchise. Okay. Yeah. And you should be well, too. I wouldn't say huge, but yes. I'm a massive <laughs> fan. I think they are perfect. They are the they are the best popcorny things that Hollywood is doing. For real. They yeah, I, I love these true. films. Mm-hmm. And this is the fourth film and there's two ways you can look at this that uh Universal didn't want to spring for the money that these people wanted for a while. Or I like to think of the idea that Vin Diesel, Paul Walker, Michelle Rodriguez, uh even even Tyrese 
Is it Tyrese? He's in the movie, right? Yeah. They uh, all thought they were big shit and wouldn't return to the franchise mm. until uh, they they clearly had a they made other movies and like yeah maybe we should go back to this and the fourth movie everyone comes back from the first and second film mm-hmm. and who's still alive and it sucks <laughs> it it sucks yeah. but it's 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 they've come a, a long way because the first movie is just Point Break mm-hmm. it's a for yeah. for teenagers or like nineteen year olds. And then it graduates into a terrible sequel, and then they make people even younger in the third one in Tokyo Drift, and have Vin Diesel pop up for four seconds at the end of the film. Uh, but this is it catches up with these people as now they're international car thieves, mm. and it's more that Justin Lin comes aboard. It's bizarre that the guy who directed mm. this directed the next three because they're bombastic and ridiculous and amazing and some of the coolest things I've ever seen put on screen. Whereas this is very sedate and yeah, to reintroduce you to the characters to kill Michelle Rodriguez. Um, Let me just know. You might have seen her in the trailer for the next five films. That you called a movie sedate wherein a car does a full wheelie during a race and like an entire (laughs) fleet of cars drives through the desert and then a lady jumps from one car to another and many things happen. When you see the fifth movie as there's Towing mm-hmm. a bank vault through Brazil, uh, it, it'll all make sense. Okay. Uh, it's yeah. it's they. It, so I, is that when I should sign on? Is with the fifth movie? I've always yeah. I've okay. always wanted to make a little presentation on yeah. like here's I love what that. the franchise You've been threatening is. Threatening me with this for years. Yeah, it's a lot of fucking work. Okay, I don't want to well. go through four because I'm trying to save people the trouble of watching four movies because you, the fifth is when everything starts to get beautiful mm. when they decide mm. no these aren't teenagers with hood problems with undercover cops which is what Paul Walker originally was. Now he's their best friend. Right. Uh, it's family. They're spy, he's their family. They're spies he's who family. shoot cars instead of guns. Okay. And yeah. it's wonderful. And all these well, silly things they figure out to do with cars is amazing. Yeah, that's part of the problem is that, yeah, like you're saying, the fourth one, they're trying to get back in towards the first one. So it's more about racing and maybe like thievery, but a lot of racing still and some bad racers and thievery. Instead of like the fifth one, they just go, it's a heist movie. It's just a full-on, yep. like, Ocean's Eleven-style big-team heist movie. They bring in The Rock. They're international and that's when it spies. Gets good. It's yeah. wonderful. It's yes, wonderful. The Rock. And then just keeps getting better with every single fucking movie. Okay, well, then yeah. I'll probably skip this one and just go straight to five. It's totally. strange. I Even don't... if you were watching them as a series, yeah. you could skip this one. Okay. Well, I think... Wait, how does Except it... Except you have to know, like, oh, I guess it's sad Michelle Rodriguez died. But since she didn't really die, once she pops up again in, what, six, then it'd be like, oh, okay. Because this is the, you pick it up. This is the third one. Oh my god, I forget how this works. It has a very confusing timeline, even more confusing than Planet of the right. Apes. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, the well, third one. There's the Fast and the Furious. Then there's two Fast, two Furious, three Fast, there's three a, Furious, four mm-hmm. Fast, four Furious. Yeah, but the, the third one takes place after the seventh one. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm gonna need a uh, bulletin board with red string. Yeah, it's please. weird. Attaching everything. You just need two pieces of string, just so okay. you can split <laughs> off. I, I I could do it, uh, but this uh, this is it's weird. I'm I'm so happy to have this franchise back, and having Justin Lin aboard changes everything. That dude mm-hmm. revitalizes that series, and I am surprised it didn't happen with the first movie. But I guess they're trying to reacquaint you with a the characters and b the f- tone of the first film which isn't necessary i smell it too i don't know what it is <laughs> something uh, it really smells like my cat down, down here, here. Um, yeah. so let's keep moving <laughs> into the television <laughs> of 2009 um, house yeah. locked in with most of, i don't know house yes. at all yeah house this is one of kind of like a quintessential house episode so most deaf mm-hmm. 
plays a um, guy who kind of has a locked-in syndrome, and he oh he's he's in a motorcycle accident actually, and the doctors think that he's brain dead, and then House who just happens to be there, it's like no, he's not. He's following you with his eyes, which is something you think the doctors would pick up on, but okay. And yeah. turns out he's just kind of he had this motorcycle accident. Now he's kind of locked in. Now they're trying to figure out what happened to him, and he. Basically, the episode culminates in one of the characters gets splashed with his urine from like a urine test. House notices that she gets a rash from that and then is able to diagnose diagnose some sort of disease that nobody's ever heard of that Mostef had from a paper cut that he got because he was staying in an attic. That's some real house shit right there. Yep. I mean, nothing will beat the nothing will beat the episode where the lady had the tick inside of her vagina. But <laughs> I've only seen the clip of the this one where he diagnoses the little girl. I think has mental problems. Like, no, nah, she's just jerking off and yeah. six years old. Yeah, that's why it looks weird. Yeah. Uh, and then they say a bunch of safe for work euphemisms for child masturbation. And mm-hmm. It's one of the mm-hmm. most unsettling clips I've ever seen in my life. Anyway, I do vaguely remember the premiere of this show just because I really like Jim Jim Gaffigan. Yeah, and you don't even have to like Jim Gaffigan, but whenever he pops up in anything like. He sticks out like such a sore, pale thumb. Yes, <laughs> and, indeed. Uh, as he did in, I think, TBS is My Boys. Yes, TBS. I actually really like this show. It's mm-hmm. a very sweet little show. Like, not, I mean, basically, Jordana Spiro plays a girl, a woman who is a sports writer, mm-hmm. and she basically has a group of guys that are her friends, and I think one of them is her brother. Mm-hmm. Um, and But the cast is like a bunch of guys that you're like, I know that guy. Oh, yeah, I know that guy, too. It's Kyle Howard, Reed Scott, who's now on Veep, mm-hmm. and J.B. Kaler, who you'd recognize from a million things, and then Jim Gaffigan. It's a very sweet little show. I really enjoyed all the seasons of it, and nobody else I know has ever heard of it. So, <laughs> I, I've heard of it just because I remember that's sort of the first block of TB. Like, TBS now just makes a ton of original comedy, yeah. and like this is sort of the beginning of that. Because mm-hmm. um, they, were, they were a fucking rerun channel for about 20 years. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. And, uh, and Baseball? And baseball. Yeah. Atlanta Braves baseball. Yeah. And oh my God. I this is a huge blind spot for me. So let's play I pulled the opening. Let's just play that over our discussion because Wouldn't oh my god, the opening theme really brings me back. <laughs> Oh man! It sounds like a countdown timer in a video game where you need to get out before it explodes. It does. It's so like I haven't watched ER. I did not follow it all the seasons. I probably stopped watching mm-hmm. after five seasons, maybe. But man, hearing the theme song really brings me back immediately. I never got it. Never seen an episode of it, despite how much Seinfeld I watched. Um, but you cannot deny. I think it was at the end of people watching television every week so like it might have it was messy tv it might hold the highest rating it held higher ratings than seinfeld i believe at the time Mm -hmm. uh it's importance can't be understated i'm i just don't know anything about it other than like the cast and who was on it and who left the show yeah and i think john stamos is on the show at this point i was trying to read the synopsis and get it in my in my head i think he kind of took over the like hunky white doctor role from george clooney 
Yeah, that's right. Because I was listening to the interview with Linda Cardellini. So She's like, them. I was on ER for five years. Like, what? Yeah, I, I know. always wondered oh, where yeah. you went. Yeah, Busy and, Phillips was on ER for quite some time, too. Yeah, Noah Wiley is like a, an era that I've just never even heard of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Anthony Edwards and George Clooney, I remember. Uh, oh, that's coming on. Mom gets the TV. Uh, I'll leave the room. <laughs> but after, what yeah. is it, 15 seasons? 15 that's seasons of insane. 331 episodes. Mm-hmm. That's so crazy. Yeah, I believe. My God. 16 million people tuned in to watch this live. Mm-hmm. I think for a one-hour drama, it's only beaten by Diana Murder, She Wrote. Nice. Murder, wow. She Wrote holds the record because another show that was on for teens of years and <laughs> uh, concludes. And But ER never got a straight-to-TV movie. That's a little weird. Hmm. Usually something that's popular. That... I guess... Yeah, I don't know. There's like they too many people. <laughs> Who do you have on there? I mean, really, they had such a big cast of people cycled in so often that by they got to the end, there were no original characters <laughs> left. Yeah, I think there was one, one or two people that were like in the background as nurses carried over to the end of the show, made it all the way through. But main characters, nope. Everybody came and went. Mm-hmm. And but- it could be really good. They had a lot of... They, they gave directors a lot of room. I mm-hmm. think that, that, I mean, they would do a lot of what they were sort of known for was a lot of long takes with like steady cams following people around and doing stuff, um, which they carried through to doing live episodes of still being able to do that, which the coordinating it is ridiculous. Wow. And yeah. It was just, you know, it, it was, it's another doctrine show, you know, it's a soap opera, but they, they kept it very, you know, lively and interesting so much of the time. Um, but also, constant horrible things always happening to the main characters yeah that's why uh, i called it the torch of the doctor's comedy hour oh um, and then gray's anatomy picked that baton baton oh up yeah and ran with it oh so, yeah so yeah. yeah anything where it's like oh if you think of it as they're sort of trapped in hell and nothing good will ever happen to them and they're in like the hands of an angry god who's constantly torturing them with like this week you're going to care about that child who's hurt but it turns out that child's a murderer <laughs> <laughs> Oh shit! The last season had that guy like from the Orville. Never mind. It okay. was the focus of the last episode. Um, but yeah, I mean, also to have it set in the ER, it's definitely the most exciting part, probably, mm-hmm. of the hospital. Mm-hmm. But then also, like, most of the patients either die or will go off to surgery in another part of the hospital. Oh, and come you don't on. really get yeah. to like nobody falls in love with one of their patients. See them. I guess, I'm guessing that happens six times a season. Oh, I'm sure somebody sleeps with their mm-hmm. patient. Yeah. Probably. But yeah. then they'd also have stuff like, oh, this nice granny would come in and she's just so nice. And oh, she just has a little bit of back pain. Yeah, she's a junkie. She's trying to score. Yeah, that was a pretty common storyline from what I can recall. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah. <gasps> ties into our Betty White <laughs> Golden Girls. And they all, they, <laughs> the whole, I don't know what happens with the cast, but they didn't, everyone seemed to come back for the finale. Um, I, yeah, well, I just assume they kill. They usually kill characters on these shows to explain why they're gone forever. That's true. Uh, well, but I know George Clooney just, came back. Yeah, George Clooney just moved away, but Anthony mm-hmm. Edwards died. Yes, so he probably comes back in like a flashback sequence. Yeah. Uh, but there's a one-hour retrospective on uh, before that, so ER kind of owns the night. And uh, SNL on the fourth, um, Seth Rogen hosts with guest Phoenix. Wow, that's most two thousand Phoenix. <laughs> Um, Listomania! <laughs> uh, but, and the, but 
notably, this is the premiere of the song Like a Boss. Yeah. Which I think ah. is different on the album. It's not Seth Rogen. Right. Mr. Sandberg, thanks for coming to your performance review. No problem. So you're in charge around here. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. I'm the boss. Okay, so take us through a day in the life of the boss. Well, the first thing I do is talk to corporate. Like a boss. Prove memos. Like a boss. Lead a workshop. Like a boss. Remember birthdays. Like a boss. Direct workflow. Like a boss. I really do like this. I do like it too. I like it so much. <laughs> but it gets even sillier. Like, I love it how it ends. So that's an average day for you then? No doubt. You chop your balls off and die. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So good. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> you chop your balls off and oh, die. Okay, so it, we're going long, uh, so I want to get this, get wrap this up quickly. Uh, games of 2009, March 29th um, through uh, April 4th. It's a ridiculous week. Galaga Remix, a fantastic game in TNA Wrestling, are, uh, come to iOS, uh, a game we could not stop laughing at, which is sort of Guitar Hero. It was a trend that was slowly dying. And in order to, I think, uh, have more than three releases every year, Activision decided we're just going to partner with bands. But I think that's alienating for people. Because mm. if you say Guitar Hero Aerosmith, I'm like, I fucking hate Aerosmith. Yeah, no, thank you. Why would I want this game? Well, it's not all Aerosmith. And like, then don't call it Guitar Hero Aerosmith. Yeah. Even so. if it's 20% Aerosmith, no, <laughs> yes. thank you. Way too much Aerosmith. Uh, so Guitar Hero, known in our offices because of uh, um, a symbol error in Outlook, uh, Guitar Hero Metallicar. <laughs> Rights reserve symbol would just turn into a regular R. We could not stop laughing at Metallicar. Guitar Hero Metallicar uh, comes out on every system under the sun, and this is notable, I believe, because their album Death Magnetic didn't get great reviews. But then it uh, the whole album dropped in Guitar Hero, which uh, was the masters, meaning it was mixed differently because if you weren't playing the drums right, the drums fall out. And like, mm. this is a better mix than the album version. And you can actually, <laughs> wow, you can actually hear the hear certain things a little better in the version they put in uh, Guitar Hero. But that, okay. that might have happened a little beforehand. But if you want to talk bad music, and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but uh, if you were like me and this weekend discovered. Goofy's cover of Blue by Eiffel 65. Oh my God, which he oh played no. for us, and it was a nightmare situation. <laughs> In a blue little house. It was In terrible. In a blue little window. <laughs> Daba dee daba. This is even because we we delight in playing those songs on Laser Time and Video Game Apocalypse, and I didn't know they were actually gathered into a game called no. Dance Dance Revolution Disney Groove Hits for the Wii. Oh my God! And it's like no. the worst version of songs that already make you sound like a serial killer when you listen to them. Uh, it's worse than Kids Bob. This, this is like 80 songs and I can just skip around in this YouTube video and it'll just... Let's. We played this on another show. I didn't know it made it into a game. Ice Ice Mickey is a way too... Uh, Stop it. Yeah, it, like an Ice Ice Baby parody that came out like 10 years afterwards. Ice Mickey. 
Did you think It's a Small World could get more annoying? <laughs> oh my god, it's so bad. It's done by a newfound glory. <laughs> More like newfound boring. I don't know. I, did, uh, I could. I went through this multiple times because it made wow. me laugh so much. Horrible, horrible versions of. I don't like times. any of that. Oh I don't like it at all. But I also feel I know, you. You couldn't see me, but I involuntarily started like swatting in the air to defend myself. Yeah, that was so awful. It, no, pro- no, 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 get it, away. it probably looked like you were doing Dance Dance Revolution. Woo! Oh, God. That's what they wanted. That's what they wanted all along. (laughs) And that about wraps up our show, everyone. Again, we want to hear what you think about everything we've had to talk about, especially The Matrix. Come defend me. Uh, (laughs) LaserTimePodcast.com or 302010.net or the LaserTime official Facebook community. you got to search that. Uh, It's a great, great uh, group of wonderful people that tend to talk about stuff we might have missed or uh, elaborate on things on in a beautiful way with mm-hmm. uh, multimedia clips of plenty. It's great. We should probably be doing some of that stuff. God damn it. And um, also on Twitter at 302010podcast. Uh, but yeah, make sure to check that there because next week for our patrons at patreon.com slash laser time supports the whole laser time network, we will have a listener strike back episode. We'll, we'll, we'll read off what you have to say uh, about things we said incorrectly. We're not perfect. We're just mostly perfect. Right. Right. You don't talk about the 40 things I talked about in one segment that were perfect. It's just the <laughs> one thing. Just kidding. I suck. Uh, but we do appreciate that. We are almost entirely listener-supported. Patreon.com slash LazerTime. It's kept us afloat for a couple of years now, and we do appreciate everyone out there who has uh, helped contribute to the show. We really do. But yeah, for the price of a cup of coffee or one of those shitty fast food meal deals, uh, you can support your favorite podcast network, which includes Laser Time, which this week Diana joined us for to talk about all about the death of Fox. Ooh, yeah. I can't wait to listen to that. The little studio that had no identity. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yes, a bunch of a really long episode of that, including a quiz. And Matt joined us because uh, Matt, our buddy Matt Allen, it was his first job was on the Fox lot. Wow. So a lot of weird stories about working on uh, a lot that's now owned by Uncle Mickey or mm. Ice Ice Mickey, as we just heard. Sure, sure. <laughs> Uh, and Video Game Apocalypse, hosted by Mr. Diana Goodman, Michael Oparez, and Matt Allen. Uh, this week will be all new. Hopefully, my thoughts will have changed on Sekiro, because they're not good right now. Uh-oh. Uh, Diana, where can people find you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at ListeningNerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D. Or, like you said, at 302010podcast, uh, where I tease what's coming up. And people have already responded with me teasing the Matrix. And like I already said, like, oh, wow. Cool, that Dark City fan film. I like, saw that. Yeah! <laughs> that was, In your face! That was my criticism when I walked to the movie, having fallen asleep, coming off of acid, like, this is Dark City, man. This is Dark City. <laughs> really dumb. Let's shoot up a skull. No, I didn't say that. Um, <laughs> Diana, who be dead? Uh, the only person I found this week who be dead is uh, film composer Maurice Jarre. He was 84. He did uh, Lawrence Arabia, Dr. Zhivago, oh, wow. and Who'd Be King. Witness, uh, I think some stuff what we've talked about. Bridge on the River Kwai? I don't know why I said that like goofy. (laughs) No. (laughs) You can't stop. Um, Oh, we've movies we talked about Gorillas in the Mist, Fatal Attraction. Oh, yes. We got uh, Dead Poets Society coming up. Oh, Mm. dang. Anyway. Shout out DPS. We didn't talk about that already? Nope, coming up. All right, but with the deaths. 
Come the burfs. Oh, birthday is a doodly. All right. Oh, we got a fun one for the birthday quiz. Hopefully, you will get this one. Okay. Last week. Let's never speak of that. Diana Ross. This is embarrassed me. Deepest shame. Okay. I'm embarrassed yourselves. I'm okay. I agree. I also don't. All right. So, born four four forty four. Okay. He's turning seventy five. Born in Spokane, Washington. Uh, he's an early member of the Groundlings and was in a comedy team with Barry Levinson. Hmm. I did not know that, uh, but Barry helped him get his first film gig in Injustice for All. Injustice for All. Jack Warden? Yep. No, he's not. No. He's very much dead. Yeah. Um, movies we have talked about of his, quite a few actually. Uh, hmm. Ghost of Mississippi, I'm Not Rappaport, Devil's Advocate. Oh. Um, Strasburg? No. no. Blaze of Glory, Action Jackson. Greg T. Nelson? It is Greg T. Nelson. Oh! <laughs> oh. <clears throat> yes. Nice one. Troop Beverly Hills was the next one. Good job. Coach will be the death of me. Yeah. God damn it. I love Craig oh, T. God, Nelson. Well, that... yeah, he's born 4444. Cool. That means something. He's older than my dad. Oh, my goodness. Uh, okay. That is it for the show. Um, why are we closing out with Satellite of Love? I love this song. Because... Adventureland is a movie that stands Lou Reed's uh, Transformer album more than I've ever seen a movie love an album. <laughs> okay, there's multiple posters. She wears a T-shirt of it. There's like wow. a plot point of Ryan Reynolds calling this song "Shine" or was it "Set a Light on Love." <laughs> this movie loves Lou Reed's Transformer album, which I super do too. And this is one of my favorite songs. Yeah, ever, it shouldn't so. surprise you, Diana. I discovered this song in the days of Napster, looking for things related to just typing in words related to Mystery Science Theater 3000 because I was obsessed with the idea. Wow. You could nice. even do that. And I literally discovered Lou Reed through Mystery Science Theater 3000 <laughs> oh with God. Satellite of that Love. That is so and fun. I don't like any other song he's done as much as this one. So I love it. Let's close out yep. with that. LaserTimePodcast.com. Check out our other shows. We're executive produced this week uh, by Austin Ellsbury. Thank you so much. Him and many other fine people at Patreon.com slash LaserTime for the price of a cup of coffee to keep the whole network afloat. We do appreciate you. Take us out, Lou Reed. Bye. Satellite.